1: Log Talk Radio.
2: You got something to say, Chris? What did you come out here to give me a Lifetime Achievement Award? Oh, this is 2012 Chris Jericho, where you come back for three weeks, don't talk, in your stupid light bright jacket. Now you're going to take off the jacket. You know what? How dare you, Chris? how dare you deprive these people of a moment to watch me shine do you have any idea how important i am i'm the marine damn it i'm an actor i'm a movie star i'm a box office straw
1: i'm a
3: to say these words and I'm gonna say them right here, right now, tonight.
4: Welcome to... Jane that you left Chris. Welcome back, Wyatt. That was because Jericho was rough.
2: Oh, well, Here we go. Jericho's trying to find his way out of this at Hartford Rowan though. Isolating Jericho. It's going to be a numbers game here on Jericho. and
4: Heard walk in the back.
0: thank you for choosing King Jordan Radio for Tuesday, July 1, 2014. Today we'll be joined with a very special guest. He is uh, Brian Shields. He's a New York Times bestseller, and he has a new book out. Uh, I will bring him into the conversation in just one second. But first, let me please introduce our wrestling insider from Chicago. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Double J, JJ. Good evening, JJ,
5: and welcome to King Jordan Radio. How are you? Hey, King. Great to be on. I mean, uh, very excited to talk to uh, Brian Shields. The Shield is back <laughs> one more time on King Jordan Radio. I was actually very surprised to learn last week that, uh, as we all know, the Dirty had their 12 releases. They have actually had a 13th release last week. Josh Matthews, believe it or not, Josh Matthews, who's been with the company since 2001, a part of Tough Enough, He's been an announcer, a backstage interviewer, and most recently, he's been the host of the WWE pre-show and backstage wow. show on the Netflix. He was released, and I was shocked. Wow. A lot of people maybe weren't, but I was. We'll I thought a, uh, we're
0: going to get into that and a whole lot more, but uh, let me introduce our guest that is here, and we also have a lot of people on the line, but first... He is a New York Times bestseller, as I pointed out before. He is the co-author of the WWE Encyclopedia. He did an amazing job with that book. It is my honor to introduce to you, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Brian Shield. Good evening, Brian, and welcome back to King Jordan Radio.
5: How are you?
3: King, how are you? Thank you so much for having me back on. JJ, hello. It's uh, it's great to be with you both tonight.
5: Yeah, great having you on, Brian. Uh, especially, I'm very excited to hear about your latest book, uh, your last book, uh, WWE Encyclopedia. Really tremendous. I actually got the opportunity to pick it up and kind of browse through it. A tremendous book. Very excited for. Your new book, which is Thirty Years of WrestleMania. I mean, wow! You must have a load of stuff, a load of history, uh, and so many great things to discuss.
1: Oh uh, well,
0: first okay, of all, thank let's you just, uh, uh, bring
5: in our uh, other co-guests
0: for this evening, and then we'll talk about the book. Uh, let's see if we have Dominic or Blackjack. Uh, line four, your line is open. Uh, Do we have Dominic or Blackjack on line four? four? No. No.
1: Okay,
0: Okay, let's try line five. Do we have Mr. Valente or uh, Mr. Blackjack on line five? Blackjack, Dominic, are you there? King, I'm here. Okay, (laughs) Welcome. Say hello to uh, Brian
4: Shield. Brian, how you doing?
3: Oh, uh, hello. It's great, great to speak with you.
4: Uh, great to hear you. Okay. I heard about the book. Sounds like it's very good. JJ, Thank what's you. up, bro?
3: Great
5: to have you on. Okay. How I, you doing,
4: man? I want to see if this is uh, Blackjack. Well,
5: okay,
0: that caller went away. But uh, okay, let's start off with the uh, the book. Let's start with your last book, Brian. Let's uh, give uh, everybody a taste of that. And Adam is a very big collector of things like that. I know he would love this book that's coming out and the previous book. So let's start with the previous book and your background a little bit for the new listeners.
3: Absolutely. Um, well, my my background, uh, I, I grew up on Long Island, a huge WWE fan, huge fan of pro wrestling, um, huge fan of, of sports and entertainment in general. Uh, my career started out in the video game business, uh, doing sports marketing uh, before uh, working on uh, special projects with WWE. Um, I've had the good fortune of of working with WWE in a variety of different capacities since 1998, uh, ranging on product from video games and action figures uh, to books. And the, um, the book most recently that's out in stores now is the second edition of the WWE Encyclopedia. Uh, that came out in November of 2012, and it was the follow-up to the New York Times best-selling original edition from 2009, the WWE Encyclopedia. Um, what I've been working on with WWE and DK Publishing for more than a year is a this new book, this incredible concept called 30 Years of WrestleMania. Guys, one of the things, because I know that, that you and many of your listeners are familiar, thankfully, with the WWE encyclopedias, the 30 Years of WrestleMania book is is a similar style. It's that uh, signature DK publishing style of, of beautiful photos, of uh, beautifully designed pages. It's more than 220 pages. It's a hardcover book. And... It gives you a historical breakdown really from both sides of the ropes if you will of every WrestleMania Um, we talk about how the original WrestleMania got off the ground um, and actually we're approaching soon uh, the one-year anniversary of my first interview for this book and that was when I got to meet with Linda McMahon in her offices in downtown Stanford Um, so it was an incredible, just an incredible story to be able to write and, you know, to have the, the, the pleasure of working again with WWE and DK publishing, you know, it's, it's just another dream come true for me. And I'm, I'm very proud to say that 30 years of WrestleMania will be coming out on September 15th. And it is available now for pre-order uh, wherever books are sold. You can do that online or at the store. Um, so it's it's going to be great, guys. I mean, we have special tribute sections in the book on The Undertaker, uh, the Hall of Fame, Mr. WrestleMania himself, Shawn Michaels, and all his matches at WrestleMania. Uh, there's a fan I'll access warrior. section. So warrior. there are i mean he's he's in the he is in the book. Um, so you know, and he's in the book uh, because of the uh, WrestleManias that he participated in, as well as the uh, being an inductee into the Hall of fame. so um, you know, it's just it's a um it's a it's an incredible book. It has great great insights and interviews from so many uh past and present WWE employees, superstars, divas, legends, um and and actually also and this is very cool and another honor for me is the the foreword for the book was written by none other than Shawn Michaels. So um that's a wow. very cool Yeah, so this was I I mean it and it really is, you know, when you talk about like you know, a dream come true kind of project. I feel like every time um, I'm on the show speaking with you guys or, or doing um, events, that's really how I describe working with WWE and DK. And every time, whether it was the first encyclopedia or the DK readers or the second encyclopedia, or now this 30 years of WrestleMania, I mean, it's, this is going to be a monumental release. And um, there is a, a web page at uh, us.dk.com where you can actually see preview pages from the chapters of WrestleMania 3, WrestleMania 18, and WrestleMania 30, just to give you a little idea of the exciting stuff that's going to be in this book.
0: Tool. So this sounds like every uh, wrestling fan's uh, dream. I mean, you you cover f- things from A to Z, and you don't miss a spot. That, that is, uh, How long did it take you to work on this uh, book, Brian? Uh, uh,
3: I worked on this uh, in cooperation with WWE and DK for over a year. Um, it was wow. an incredible... Uh, an incredible project with, you know, research, interviews. You're you're viewing uh, WWE video archives, photo archives. Um, this and some, you know, you're given thank you to everyone at WWE. I mean, thanks to them. You know, I was granted backstage access uh, at many of the live events. Uh, and Raw and SmackDowns in the New York City area as well as in the Northeast um, from 2013 and earlier this year. Um, so, and one of the other cool things, guys, is I actually finally got to go to the WWE warehouse uh, oh, wow. with, the, wow. with the with the WWE archivist and... Um, I have to tell you, when you start looking at the incredible compilation and collection of just incredible historical artifacts from the history of professional wrestling uh, that they have there, and it's not just WWE. I mean, it's from the territory days, overseas, Europe, Japan. um, It's one of those things where it was such a huge help in researching for this book, and as a fan, it's one of those things where you just hope that one day there is a physical wrestling hall of fame.
1: Yes.
0: Absolutely. Okay, let's uh, open up to questions. Uh, Let's start off with uh, Double J.
5: Well, uh, you know, Brian, I'm, I'm very excited. Uh, this sounds really amazing. Uh, you know, lots of times, even a few weeks ago here on King Jordan, we were talking about the WWE magazines and how every year they have their sort of annual WrestleMania special edition magazine. And you know, over the last few years, they've kind of taken different looks at WrestleMania, whether it was, you know, the best moments or superstar reflections or, you know, just certain highlights or fun facts. And I think it's great that this particular book is going to sort of highlight all those, you know, amazing things. And one thing that's great is, even though in the WWE magazines we see photos of uh, the last, you know, 30 WrestleManias, but we've kind of seen the same image over and over again. And one thing I like with this uh, new book is you're talking about behind the scenes photos. Photos that were probably have never been released to the public before and have never been seen. So I'm, I'm very excited to see these photos. Uh, yeah, very excited. Sounds uh, really great.
3: Oh, thank you. Yeah, I, I mean, you know, and I love. I grew up with the WWE magazine uh, as well, so you know, I, I love that publication. And you know, I, I think here the, the great part about 30 years of WrestleMania is that there, there are going to be fun facts and yeah. stats and match, you know, the match results for every match. Um, but there there are also going to be you know, some stories that, that, that people are going to be able to really get caught up in um, in the pages of the book. So 30 Years of WrestleMania definitely has something for every fan as far as wanting to pick it up and just become immersed in in really, the uh, the magnificence of WrestleMania.
0: Okay, uh, Dominic, uh, why don't you uh, give a question?
4: Well, Brian, it sounds like a great book. If it's anything like your encyclopedia, which I I got right here, as a matter of fact, it's going uh, to be real you. good. Thank you very the much. There was stuff in encyclopedia that I forgot about, pictures that I never saw before, and if it's anything like that, WrestleMania has got a great wealth of history just on The Undertaker alone. That's true. And it should, it should be a damn good book, and I, I'm, I'm probably going to be getting it.
3: Well, thank you. Thank you very much. Most I, likely I really, really, I really appreciate that, and uh, I think if, if anybody has enjoyed the WWE encyclopedias um, or the new book, from my encyclopedia co-author, Kevin Sullivan, the WWE 50 book. You know, the rest 30 years of WrestleMania is, as I said earlier, in that signature DK style. Uh, they will love the, the pictures and the design of the book, and, um, and there's going to be just so many uh, compelling things from historical facts and data and um, and some backstories and behind the scenes stuff that um, you know people are people are just gonna love it and and it covers all 30 WrestleManias, which is wow. which is the first. I mean, there's never been uh, a written record like this before.
0: Brian, let me ask you. Uh, you know, and you, you heard you say you worked in concert with the WWE. Now. Uh, the anniversary of the Benoit situation just happened uh, a few days ago. Uh, mm-hmm. They block out Benoit in most of their stories and their shows. Did you block out Benoit since you were working with WWE?
3: No, um, he's in um, he's in both encyclopedias. Um, I actually wrote his entry and um and he's he's part of the thirty years of wrestlemania book um and you know i, I think i think the way that w w e has handled this uh if i may is um mm. is as is as is as good as um something like this could be handled um you know so i i think it's uh it's one of those things where, you know, these projects when you're talking about historical works, you know, he's he's included in them because they have to be historically accurate and he um you know, had had a career in WWE. So um, you know, so he is uh in the thirty years of, of WrestleMania as far as you know, being mentioned and, um, and acknowledged where where appropriate.
4: Great, I love I love that because a lot of people are saying he don't belong no place. He's a murderer, this and that. You got to differentiate Chris Benoit from what he did to Chris Benoit the wrestler. And Blackjack to this day will say he don't believe Benoit did it. He thinks it was a setup because how could he go through 3 days knowing that he did something on one day and be all calm and everything with the other wrestlers then go back and do something else and then the third day take care of his own take his own self out I don't know maybe blackjack has got something there but
3: I'm glad I that mean that that I uh that I don't know you know cuz I uh you know the the details of of what happened and, and the case itself, um, is, are not something that I'm, I'm an expert on. Um, but I, I think, I I think the way WWE has handled it has, has really been, uh, the, the best way that it could be, you know, that it could be handled. And I think, I think it is a difficult balance because this was, and this was an unspeakable human tragedy. This was not um yes. a difference of uh difference of opinion when it came to uh someone's uh character or creative direction or a or a disagreement over uh business points or or anything like that. This was um you know, th- th- this was an unspeakable human tragedy and I, I think that the uh that the way that yeah. WWE uh, has handled it, has been as uh, as best as uh, as you could. Yes.
5: I agree, and I think no it's way. a very delicate uh, situation, and uh, they're doing their best. They cover him in the WWE network, and uh, as you mentioned, uh, you have a uh, feature of him in the encyclopedia, and I think it's done, you know, to the right way. They're acknowledging, of course, he was a part of the WWE's history, but at the same time, he's included, but yet he they're not going out of their way to promote, you know, his name and his likeness and things like that. You have to really sort of dig in to find the facts of Chris Benoit, the wrestler, you know, they, right. Don't... And,
3: you know, I mean, he's, uh, he, I mean, if you look at the, the WWE network, uh, the events that, that he participated in are there in their entirety. And, um, you know, it's, it's historically accurate. And, uh, and that's the, the way that, that, that's the decision that was made and that's the way that it is and I, I think that that's the, um, you know, that, that's the way that it, uh, it should be in terms of being historically accurate and then, you know, leaving it, leaving it at that. I, I think anything else is, uh, it would just not be appropriate.
5: Yes, I agree
0: and in your wrestlemania book uh which wrestlemania did you have the most fun covering uh, oh, in regards to wow.
3: the
4: book?
3: um <laughs> i i have to tell you initially initially it was wrestlemania 3 because oh, wow. of the the hogan andre saga and the steamboat right. savage uh conflicts oh, were were just, That's
0: Matt Trevor, uh, some people just.
3: Absolutely, um, you know, and, and then as time went on, you know, it got very exciting when you start talking about, um, like Wrestle WrestleMania, uh, nineteen, which was like the third WrestleMania to have a, a main event of The Rock and Stone Cold Steve Austin. Um. You know, there were so many that, that were just jumping out. And, and even the first one, I mean, the first one I really enjoyed because I remember it as a kid growing up on Long Island. There was such an energy around the New York City area that this event was happening at Madison Square Garden. And, you know, and one of the things, too, is there was such a risk that the McMahons yep. took in even getting this off the ground So to be able to delve into that as far as uh, Vince McMahon's idea, uh, the members of the WWE office at the time that were part of the brain trust there that were brainstorming ideas, and, I mean, it was just, um, it was exciting right out of, I mean, from the moment I began working on it, it was like getting shot out of a cannon or what I would imagine that to be. Uh, for a writer. It was just exciting from the get-go.
0: And the WWE Encyclopedia, what year did that come out?
3: The first edition came out in 2009, uh, March of 2009. Right. It, was, it was right before WrestleMania 25. And then uh, Volume 2 came out in November of 2012.
0: And how long did uh, that take you, uh, each one, respectively, to Uh, get that done?
3: The first WWE encyclopedia took almost a year and a half. Uh, The second one took over a year. And then this 30 years of WrestleMania was also over a year.
0: Wow. Okay, JJ, let's go over to you.
5: Yeah, you just mentioned uh, WrestleMania 19. I mean, one of my favorite matches from WrestleMania 19 was, of course, Mr. WrestleMania, Shawn Michaels taking on Chris Jericho. a amazing. There's so many great moments, as uh, as you and oh. Dominic pointed out. The rich, really rich history of WrestleMania. I mean, you could really spend an entire, you know, time just talking about, you know, your favorite match of every every WrestleMania. There's always something very special. And I think even Blackjack. Has said every WrestleMania was really great for its time and for its, its era. You know, you saw the best matches possible, whether or not you know they were you know the most memorable or they stood out. I think they were really great for their time, and there was nothing quite like them. And uh, even in your book, I know you you mentioned you're covering even the celebrity appearances, the celebrities who have taken part of. Uh, WrestleMania. Do you have a particular favorite uh, celebrity cameo at WrestleMania?
3: Uh, I have to tell you, the celebrity cameos at WrestleMania uh probably, probably fourteen. WrestleMania fourteen with Iron Mike Tyson, oh, yeah. who uh, who is one of actually one of the celebrities um, that that I got to. Uh, speak with and, and get a quote from for the book. Oh, wow. um, and prob- probably Tyson because at that time, uh, as you and, and many of your audience probably remembers, you know, he was still viewed as the baddest man on the planet from a boxing standpoint. Oh, yeah. um, and there was an instant connection with him and the WWE fans, and then when Stone Cold Steve Austin was added to that, I mean, it just took WWE in a completely different direction, and that was really the um, one of the main springboards for WWE at that time to return to pop culture and, and really at that time make that pivotal turn against WCW in the Monday Night War. So it would it would probably be Mike Tyson for sure.
0: Wow, that's yeah, like you said, Vince no, like McMahon introduced him as the baddest man on the planet, and Mike Tyson actually swayed the ratings towards the uh, Monday Night Raw side. As you remember, they won, what was it, eighty-three in a row or something like that, and then when yeah, Mike Tyson segment weeks, came yeah. on, yeah. And then when Tyson came on, the the pendulum had started to switch. The momentum had started to switch. Tyson just did something, and people started catching on to Stone Cold, to the Vince Keel character, and, uh, you know, Shawn Michaels, and not a nobody leading to WrestleMania 14, you know, which I went to and voiced it, by the way. Which was
5: an
3: absolutely, absolutely wonderful WrestleMania. So uh, yeah, I just
0: wanted to ask you about that uh, WrestleMania 14. What were your thoughts on that? I'm sorry, I didn't get that last part. The
3: WrestleMania 14. What were your thoughts on that overall? Wow, I mean, you know, it's it's it was a great. I mean, it was a great WrestleMania. I mean, it was the first first WrestleMania to be held in Boston, uh, which was you know one of the uh, classic cities for WWE back when Vince McMahon Sr. was was running his uh, Capitol Wrestling and then the old WWF. So, you know, for a WrestleMania to be in Boston, I think was very special. Um, I felt that the yeah. matches on WrestleMania 14 were very exciting, really from top to bottom. And oh, you yeah. started to, and you started to see, you know, the different styles. I mean, at one point, you know, you had uh, Takamichi Noku. You know, it seemed like he was yeah. flying all flying all over the Fleet Center. You know, and then uh, and then a few moments <laughs> later, you have uh, Cactus Jack and Chainsaw Charlie just beating the heck out of uh the the new age outlaws and right? Yeah, so I mean it was you know, and then you have that first um first WrestleMania encounter between The Undertaker and Kane. Oh, that was good. And yeah. um, you know, I think um and not to digress, but I wanna sidestep a second, you know, I mean I think some people, especially the younger fans today, don't realize how uh, Kane has had an incredible tenure in WWE. I mean, it spans back to 1997. And WrestleMania 14 was his debut. And I got to speak to him actually about that. And there's a great quote. I'm not going to say what it is now, but there's a great quote. Uh, from him about WrestleMania 14, um, and and then you know guys, I mean, how do you how do you top Stone Cold, you know, beating Shawn Michaels in a match where some people didn't even know if it was going to happen because yeah. of the severity of Shawn Michaels' back injury, yeah. and, um, and Shawn
0: Michaels kept saying, "I don't lay down for nobody," and people thought it was right. just like he was serious. He wasn't right. ready
3: to do the job. So it was, you know, I mean, it was a, a very uh, exciting, but what I would imagine to be a tense time as well. And then the, um, you know, for Austin to, to uh, to hit the stunner, Iron Mike gives the one two three. I mean, it was uh, it was just a huge deal. <laughs> yeah, big one, man. Two,
4: three. <laughs> okay, Dominica over to you yeah just to say that i'll be honest with you kane right now i gotta say it's my favorite WWE character kane has been with wwe for so long he's a company guy before he, before he goes, goes with kane whatever him. whatever gimmick he's given keep the boat uh keep the mask on take the mask off you're corporate Kane. You're the big red machine. You're the big red monster. You're the big red menace. And Kane, thank God, he hasn't he hasn't really had injuries. Knockwood. And uh to me Kane is one of the best physically, best ability for a big man he can fly off the top rope. He's strong as hell. And you could see that he gives the younger guys a break. You know, he makes them, I don't know how to put it, he makes them look real good. He makes them look on his level. Like
1: yeah, uh, last mean, night I, with I, Roman Reigns
4: I, and, and him.
1: You yeah, can see that. I, I a few think...
4: guys, one's a veteran, one's one's a rookie in the business, but he, he held his own against Kane. Kane made him look fantastic.
3: Well, I, I think you bring up a great point. I mean, Kane is a, is is really uh, the, the consummate professional, and I, I think you've seen now, you know, this body of work that's now almost 20 years of Kane, and he's very versatile as a performer in the ring, on the microphone. Whether he has a mask, not has a mask, he's not talking, he is talking. I mean, he's. Um, He's definitely a, a very unique kind of performer, and one that um, that WWE is is very lucky to to have had for for such a such an extended period of time.
4: You know when he first and started were- talking, and he was teaming up with X Pac, yeah. he was putting that thing to his throat, and I said, maybe this is the end of him. Was Kane, when he didn't talk, he just went out there and beat the hell out of people. But he's had so many other dimensions since then, and they're all great.
1: you agree
0: with that, Brian?
3: Oh, I, absolutely, and it's funny because I, I remember, you know, what you just said, the um, teaming with X-Pac and um, yeah. you know, using the voice box and stuff, and it's It's funny because he's not, you know, and I got this sense from interviewing him uh, uh, backstage is, you know, he's, he's fearless. I mean, as a performer, as a professional on the microphone, um, on, uh, in the ring, you know, he's, he's a powerhouse, he's incredibly agile but he's also not afraid to take risks. And, and I think that it's something that has um, worked very well for him over the years, and the fans always react to him. And, and that's, not a, that's not an easy thing to do in a form of entertainment that runs 52 weeks a year with no off-season. So it's really, uh, that makes, to me, even more impressive when you think about the body of work that Kane has been able to amass over these years.
4: And he was, uh, what, the dentist before Kane? Oh, Jordan, you would bring that up.
0: <laughs> no, I just, I just want to know for history's uh, yeah, point of view. And he
4: was also the fake diesel, too, which were horrible.
0: So he was actually in the company for uh, 20 years.
3: At, at different at different times, uh, at, at different times, uh, yes. Uh, but as Kane, uh, since nineteen ninety seven. Right,
0: and you remember how he debuted as Kane, in that Hell in the Cell match, I believe it was.
3: Oh, it was incredible! Yeah.
0: How did he debut? I forgot exactly. Does, does anybody remember? Was that on a pay-per-view? And came out with Paul Bearer or something like that. And, he called, and Paul Bearer kept saying, "I have a surprise for you. I have a surprise for you."
3: Yeah, it was the um, the match with uh, Undertaker and Shawn Michaels, Hell in a Cell.
0: That's right.
3: And he and he came uh, he came in and at a Bad Blood. Uh, 97 he came in and interrupted that and um, I mean it, you know it was uh, hellfire and brimstone ever since
5: <laughs>
0: okay JJ let's go over to
5: you actually while we're speaking of Kane uh, Kane was a part of WWE's countdown most memorable debuts he was actually number five on the list and I remember you know Vince was a uh, I think screaming that, you know, that's Kane, that's Kane. And it was just a really great moment. And oftentimes here on King Jordan, we've talked about wrestlers who have kind of been the same over the past few years, and yet there are very few who have been able to evolve. And I think Kane been one of the few that's really been able to evolve that character. As we talked about, he debuted and he had Paul Bear speaking for him. He didn't say a word, and then eventually when he teamed up with X-Pac, he kind of had that, you know, that thing against his throat, and he would say, you know, oh, suck it or whatever. And, you know, And through the years, we've really seen him evolve and take the mask off, and then we saw him, you know, put the mask back on, and yet he was able to change his style, and you saw him form a, a team with Daniel Bryan, and they were sort of had this comedic odd couple pairing, and they were... Amazing to watch They were hilarious, they were funny And yet in the ring They had tremendous tag matches With the Shield And they really elevated the tag team division And now we see you know, Corporate Kane with the authority Now he's got the mask back on He's the demon Kane So he's really found ways to evolve And to stay interesting over the past Nearly 20 years Which is amazing
3: it's, it, it is really phenomenal And you think about it He's held every major championship that w w e has had during his tenure with the company um i think That's everything cool. except for the except for the european championship which i think was uh was um retired uh relatively uh quickly from from when he debuted, but, I mean, tag team, Intercontinental, you, I mean, you name it, WWE, World Heavyweight, ECW, I mean, he has been just an incredible performer and figure for the company.
5: Even Mr. Money in the Bank, and he cashed it in the same night. He's the only superstar to cash in the briefcase the same night that he won it. Uh, he yeah. always makes history.
3: Yeah, it's so it, it's really it's really amazing when you think about that, guys. Like, you know, WWE from the early, from the beginnings of the company, I mean, it's a McMahon family signature is creating stars, and when you look at Kane and and where he has gone as a character from that beginning at Bad Blood '97 to today, it's it's incredible.
0: And you know he kind of owes the Undertaker a little thank you note because God knows if you know the Undertaker wasn't around, that angle might not uh, might not have happened, and we wouldn't have had the great Cain.
3: Absolutely, absolutely. I, I mean, and uh, you know to be associated so closely with the Undertaker has been has been something that's just been huge for for Kane the character you know and and the performer and I think that um that that's something that is I mean I mean how how better to be affiliated with something than something so special like The Undertaker
0: absolutely um okay I wanted to get your take on Great Murder uh... before you uh... leave us but uh... i want you to recap how that you get the encyclopedia and the upcoming book
3: absolutely um... the uh... i mean all of all of my books are are available really i mean wherever wherever books are sold um... so if you're looking for Main event, WWE in the Raging 80s, which was my first book uh, from Simon & Schuster in 2006. Um, Both editions of the WWE Encyclopedia from DK Publishing. And guys, I mean, 30 years of WrestleMania can be pre-ordered right now from wherever you go to buy your books, wherever fine books are sold. 30 years of WrestleMania can be pre-ordered now. And it will be out and in stores September 15th. I'll be talking about it more on Facebook. I'll be talking about it more on Twitter. Uh, my handle is at It's Brian Shields. And I'll be uh, speaking, doing a lot of events to promote the launch of the book. So it's, um, that's where, where you can get everything that you, you want to know about 30 years of WrestleMania. Awesome.
0: Okay, I was talking to you, Brian, uh, about the T&A show, and you talked about the great Muda. Um, can you indulge the fans, uh, how good great Muda is eh, and how happy you are about Muda and the T&A situation?
3: Well, I, I have to tell you guys, I, um, it was one of those things of uh, being a, a kid of the 80s on Long Island having cable television because you got to see so many different types of wrestling, and um, I first saw uh, the Great Muda before he was the Great Muda um, on on TV on cable television, and um, you know, and then he became the Great Muda in the NWA. His feud with Sting for the NWA TV title was phenomenal, um, and he became he really became the one of the few Japanese superstars that became very well known in the United States. Um, Right. And I mean, his, uh, his body of work from the mid 1980s, you know, coming up through the new Japan dojo with Masahiro Chono and, um, uh, Hashimoto was, um, was just incredible. I mean, he was a, a staple of New Japan uh, pro wrestling for years. And, um, you know, I mean, he he's one of my favorites. And he is part of this group, along with Sting and along with Nikita Koloff, um, that I, I wish they would have been in WWE during their primes. There, there are a few of these... Uh, these wrestlers that never uh, never appeared in WWE, and those are the three, um, along with Jushin Thunder Liger, uh, that I always uh, would have hoped as a fan that uh, they would have made it in WWE. But um, So, yeah, great mood. I'm just a huge fan, and, um, you know, he's still able to uh, get a crowd on their feet today, which is, uh, you know, no, uh, no surprise to me.
0: And uh, I think what is it? They signed a deal with the PNA, uh, his company, and PNA Wrestle and, One. and Wrestle One. And then now they're going to have their WrestleMania, if you will, uh, in October, uh, Bound for Glory in Japan.
3: I don't know if you're aware they, of that. They- they, uh, I, I heard, I heard a little bit about it. I, I don't know much. Uh, I, I don't know much about it, but I, I heard, uh, especially from you know, from living in the New York City area, uh, that that great Muda was uh, was here last week, and um, and that that does seem to be the, the reports that uh, that there, that there will be a uh, a pay per view event in Japan.
0: Well, absolutely. It's on their website, TNAwrestling.com. So that is confirmed. And that's interesting. So, like, the WWE, you know, is now strictly with the stadiums for WrestleMania. Not to say the outdoor stuff or, like, domes or stuff. And now TNA is sort of stepping in their game for their, quote, WrestleMania. What do you think of that?
3: Uh, I mean, that I don't, yeah, I don't know a lot about that. Um, I I think what, um, I think what TNA has done, I mean, and it's, you know, and it's one of those things where, you know, I mean, they've been around 12 years, which I think is a lot longer than, I think which is a lot longer than most people would have thought uh, that that they would be around for. Um, I, I think they have a great, uh, they've always had a, uh, you know, a great collection of, of athletes and, uh, and performers. Um, I, I think, you know, there's, there's no question about that. And, um, you know, I, but I think as far as the companies, though, I mean, I, I think they're two totally different. You know, they're, they're two totally different entities. And, and I think with TNA, it's just a matter of um, of continuing to... You know, just develop their identity and 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 solidify who they are as a company, and and then and then go from there. And you know, um, but they, I mean, they know what's uh, what the best thing is to do for their business. You know,
0: absolutely. And uh, I ju- I did have a chance to see uh, TNA at the Manhattan Center the Thursday one, which will be seen on July twenty sixth. And let me tell you, Al Snow came back. You know he's there anyway, but he came back as a wrestler with the head gimmick. And wow, for a second I thought I was back in ECW, because you had Rhino, you had the Dudleys, you had Dreamer. It was it was amazing. They gave you a great show, and they're returning there August fifth, sixth, seventh. Uh, so I do encourage fans to check out the TNA product. It it looks better right now than uh, it did a few months ago. So uh, you know everybody thought they were finished when Sting left and Hogan left and a few others. But I tell you, there wasn't a seat available, uh, you know, for the uh, public for any of those three shows. And uh, I see no reason why that will uh, that wouldn't stay the same uh, for the upcoming August show. And another thing is um, EY Eric Young, Brian. I wanted to get your take. They put the belt on him uh, like right after, like a week after Daniel Bryan won the title. What's your opinion about that? Uh, Because you know, they do look very similar. I mean, that's the, the talk on Twitter. What's your thoughts?
2: Um,
3: you know, I, I don't have too many opinions on that. I, I think, um, I think Eric Young is is a. I mean, you want to talk about a, an incredible uh, in ring talent and performer. Yeah. Um, you know, he's he's definitely you know would be part of that conversation. So I think it was something that, um, you know, that a lot of people felt like he, he deserved for, for all of his, uh, his years in, uh, in pro wrestling and, uh, and the dues that, that he paid and, and because of the type of, of quality talent that he is. Um, you know, I don't, I don't know if it was, uh, imitating, you know, WWE or not, um, you know, and I and I certainly wouldn't want to, since I don't know that I, I wouldn't want to, um, you know, e- even imply that at all because it, it's, uh, you know, that would take away from something that uh, that he achieved, um, and uh, you know, and that just wouldn't be fair to Eric Young. Um, but I I think uh, you know I, I think with with TNA it's it's uh, just a, a matter of continuing to, you know, as I said before, you know, really uh, finding out and and solidifying their their identity and who they are as as an organization, and and then you know just going out and and spreading the word about it. And I think that's the, I think that's the biggest thing, you know, as far as as that. But I I can't speak on it too much, guys, because I I don't. Um, I'm not that familiar with it. Were you a part? No
5: question. Uh, I know you were a part of uh, WWE 2K14, the video game, when we had you on uh, last time. We talked about the game and the story mode of 30 Years of WrestleMania. Were you involved at all at this year's 2K15 video game?
3: Um, I I'll be able to uh, I'll be able to speak on that. Uh, probably um, in in a couple of months okay yeah yeah the the two k 2K, the two k fourteen was a lot of fun for me um, in just you know being able to uh, collaborate with two k games and the development team there on uh, on the announcer dialogue and things like that and and that was a lot of fun for me, especially um, as a gamer, growing up a gamer. Um, You know, I mean, that was... And now writing, it was just really cool to, um, you know, to to be able to be part of that.
0: Absolutely. And uh, we uh, definitely thank you, and uh, we'll have you on as it gets closer to the book, uh, the book coming out. And uh, why don't you give out your... uh, your Twitter handle, and your Facebook information, uh, and uh, any, any, anything else you want to plug before
3: you say goodbye? Oh, well, first of all, uh, King, and uh, thank you so much for having me on. Uh, J.J. Dominic. just great to talk to you tonight as always. I, I really appreciate you guys having me on. Um, you know, but anybody that, wa- that wants to uh, follow me, um, i I don't like to be followed normally, but I do make an exception for social media um, I can be found on t- on uh, on twitter um my handle is uh, at it's brian shields um I'm on Facebook you know just Brian shields, where I talk about w w e video games uh all the different kinds of writing and work that I do um and you know everything from now until well, I don't even know when until but it's gonna be everything now is about thirty years of WrestleMania and it's available for pre order now wherever books are sold and then the big the big day will be September fifteenth, um, where thirty years of WrestleMania will actually be coming out.
4: Brian, I got an idea for you for a book. What about the history of mass wrestlers? You do a little something something on, on everybody from different promotions. How WWE never let mass wrestlers in until Mil Mascaris, and they wanted him to come in, but he said I'm not coming in if I gotta take the mask off and how in New York shows the guys used to wear the face cut out.
3: Yeah, yeah, you'd that's see them the, on television very...
4: with the full mask on.
3: Yeah, that's very cool. Um it's very cool that uh that you mentioned that, you know, and I, I got to talk to Alberto Del Rio a little bit um, about, about his uncle, Mil Mascaris, and, yeah, that was a very big deal that, um, that some fans may not remember or younger fans may not be aware of is that uh, at one point Madison Square Garden did not allow, the New York State Athletic Commission did not allow um, wrestlers that had masks on to perform. Yep. Uh, uh and, and there were some other arenas around the country, um, from my understanding that had similar rules. So, uh that was didn't even a very well
4: women wrestlers back then.
3: Exactly. So uh that was a, a huge deal uh in nineteen seventy three when um when the uh commission lifted its ban and uh and WWE uh got to you know, got to work with mil mascaris and the people of new york city uh got to see the uh the famed man of a thousand masks yeah
4: and a lot of years before that they had brought in don jardine the spoiler they put him with yeah. captain lou and i think the spoiler should have been able to wear his mask i saw many matches in sunnyside garden and he grew a full beard to cover his face but the whole thing about him was the mystique of the mask
3: yeah you know it's it's so funny when when you think back to like the sixties and seventies how different um our society was and how how different the culture was and um yeah there there were mass wrestlers they weren't allowed they they either had to uh go and perform somewhere else or or find an alternative and um thankfully you know thankfully that ban was lifted in nineteen seventy three
1: yep
0: uh, very interesting. And is there any other ideas that you have? But you, uh, you know, you had like in your your brain thoughts that you might, uh, you know, do in a few years, like tag teams or, you know, managers, anything like, come to mind that that you well, might I,
3: um, do one day. I'm I'm, tr- I'm trying to, uh, I'm trying to get some other ideas flushed out. Uh, into a concept. I mean, right now, it's just everything's been about 30 years of WrestleMania and and promoting that. Um, but the uh, the hope is that there'll be some other ideas that that once uh, once they get reviewed and and once they get approved, you know, hopefully I'll be able to uh, to talk to you guys about it because uh, you know this is a, this is one of my favorite shows to. To appear on, and the conversation is, is always great. I mean, we're we're talking about everything from uh, from the spoiler Don Jardine to you know to, to all different kinds of WrestleManias, and so uh, I definitely uh, definitely hope to be able to do that at some point soon.
0: Absolutely, uh, get the book WWE Encyclopedia. That's available now. Uh, the new book will be out in September. Uh, Brian, we'll have you on uh, during the summer again as we get closer, maybe uh, uh, later this month or early in August, and again probably in September. So uh, have a great summer and, uh, you know, uh, to t- take a look at the uh, Nathan's Eating uh, Contest and uh, enjoy that.
3: <laughs> Guys, uh, thank you again for having me on King Extra. Extra special thank you uh, to you, as always, for all the incredible support. And, uh, yeah, guys, have a great summer. Enjoy WWE, and we'll talk soon.
4: You too, Brian. It was a pleasure, bro. All All right, right, guys, thank you. you. Thanks, Brian. Bye-bye. Okay.
0: That was uh, Brian Shields. And, uh, of course, go to his Twitter handle. Go uh, get his book. It's a great book. Dominic, you have the book, right? Yeah, the encyclopedia I got yeah. Right, right. And uh, how is it?
4: Excellent. I love it. Sometimes there's stuff mm-hmm. in there you say, oh, shit, I didn't remember that. But it's all in there, <laughs> all in one place. And that's what's going to be good about mm-hmm. the WrestleMania book. All in yeah. one place. You can look up anything you want.
0: Awesome. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. But there's so much stuff we have to get into. Uh... Wow, well, let me just start by saying uh you know, the the New York shows at the P&A, uh, well, I could have went to all three. I opted just to go to one, and that one was, do you know the paper you named, JJ? I think it's Destination something. Destination X. Right, right. They did tapings for that, and when Al Snow came out, and I've always loved Al Snow. And uh, you know he's an agent there now. But he came out with his gear and everything. And the head, the <laughs> place almost broke. It was head, 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 head. And you even had the old ECW security guards there, you know, because they work for TNA or so. So it, yeah, it, it was... Security of security exactly and uh blackjack was there it, it was they, they 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 treated uh myself and blackjack better than any other wrestling company ever did and wow. uh Dominic uh, if you want to go to the August show on the house just uh, let me or blackjack know All right. and uh, you can go Definitely. Okay, uh, let's start off with the uh, pay-per-view, JJ. Uh, uh, before I guess we get into Jericho, uh, what did you give me a summary of uh, what you thought of the pay-per-view?
5: Well, you know, I think in general the. June. The month of June this year was just a great month for wrestling fans. Uh, You had TNA Slammiversary. You had NXT TakeOver. You had two WWE pay-per-views, Payback, as well as Money in the Bank this past Sunday. And I thought Money in the Bank did a great job. Anytime you have these guys in ladder matches, which are extremely dangerous. I mean, Randy Orton got 12 staples on his head. He got split open real bad by a ladder. Uh, you know, these matches, these guys always kill themselves in these matches. So it's always, you know, for, from a fan's point of view, very entertaining, very exciting. You never know what's going to happen. You don't you don't know who exactly is going to win. You also had a ladder match for the WWE Championship. So we were guaranteed to have a new champion ever since the authorities stripped Daniel Bryan from uh, the championship, which I will get straight into. During the pre-show, Daniel Bryan came out and he discussed, uh, you know, how he's been doing, his rehabilitation ever since he had that neck surgery. And unfortunately, uh, much like Wade Barrett likes to say, he's got some bad news. And the bad news is, you know, his recovery, it still isn't going the way that he had hoped. He still doesn't have a lot of strength in his arms and that they, he may even require another surgery, which uh, is not good. You know, when this whole thing started, we really thought this was going to be a very sort of, you know, evasive, you know, not a very serious surgery like the likes of, you know, Stone Cold Steve Austin and others have had over the years. But, you know, that's the thing is once they go in and they see what's going on, they they see – just, you know, it's, he's really, you know, beat up, and uh, all those diving headbutts, his very high-risk style that, you know, Daniel Bryan has, it's really taken its toll, so I really hope he doesn't need a second surgery, but it sure looks that way, and he will be out for at least, if he has a surgery, another 6 to 12 months, so that's, you know, it's very sad to see a guy who really fought so hard to make it to the top of the company, and he finally made it. He main evented WrestleMania, won the title, and now you know it was all just kind of taken away, and it's very sad and disappointing. But you know the show must go on. So uh, to kick off Money in the Bank, we had of course the WWE tag team uh, titles. The Usos were defending them against the Wyatt, uh, Harper and Rowan. What a way to kick off the pay per view. These guys, I mean the first match up, and I already thought they stole the show. I thought they did a phenomenal job, great tag team wrestling. The Usos are always, uh, they're probably the only legitimate, you know, tag team. I mean, they're brothers, for God's sake, they're twins, but they have such a great chemistry together, and they really bring the best out in the Wyatts, and the Wyatts who have been, you know, very exciting to watch over the last year. So a uh, really great match. The Usos retain the tag titles uh, next up. Naomi finally getting a shot at the Divas champion, Paige. Uh, you know, this was a, you know, a pretty good match for the Divas. Naomi is someone I'm very high on. I think she's a tremendous athletic uh, competitor. If you've watched Total Divas, you know out of the two Funkadactyls, Naomi is someone who really, you know, studies her craft, whereas Cameron is someone who cares more about the cameras and how she looks. Naomi someone who will you know go to the you know the uh, performance center and really do everything she can to learn and to really advance her in ring skills. So I really appreciate Naomi as a wrestler and I thought she did a tremendous yes. job. She good. So uh, unfortunately she came up just a little short against Paige. Paige retained the Divas Championship. But all in all for a Divas match, I thought it was a really solid bout. Next up, uh, I can't believe I'm going to say this. <laughs> but next up, we saw Paul Revere. You know, the British is coming. The British is coming. Paul Revere, basically Damien mm-hmm. Sandow. Damien Sandow dressed up as another sort of wacky, zany character. We've seen Damien Sandow dressed up as Magneto from the X-Men movies and comics. We saw him dress up as Sherlock Holmes. We saw him do a rapper, a ballerina, Davy Crockett. Uh, Abe Lincoln and his latest, as I mentioned, was Paul Revere because, you know, the WWE Money in the Bank pay-per-view was in Boston. And let me tell you, the fans in Boston were awesome. What a great crowd. I mean, we were just talking with Brian about, you know, when WrestleMania was in Boston. Boston, a really great uh, wrestling city. The fans were really, really great that night. He took on uh, Damian Sandow, as Paul Revere took on Adam Rose. Now, again, this really wasn't much of a wrestling match, and it wasn't uh, one that was announced on the pay-per-view. But, you know, for the most part, uh, you know, it was what it was. Adam Rose got the win. And uh, the only thing that I don't really like about Adam Rose is his finishing move. It's so similar to Dean Ambrose's Dirty Deeds, where he does this sort of face implant move. And I'm very surprised that they let Adam Rose do that because it is so similar to Dean Ambrose. I'm surprised they don't give him something different, something new, so he can stand out. But unfortunately, we still haven't seen Adam Rose actually wrestle. So I don't know what he's capable of in the ring. We only know of his character, and he's kind of, you know, this Russell Brand, Austin Powers, you know, mashup. So uh, I've yet to really see Adam Rose bring out his, you know, wrestling abilities. I hope we see him wrestle soon because I don't know how much longer that character can last. I mean, the fans are behind it, but that will only last so long. Of course, next up, the actual Money in the Bank briefcase match. This was an unbelievable match. You're talking Seth Rollins, uh, Dolph Ziggler, Kofi Kingston, Rob Van Dam, Dean Ambrose, Jack Swagger, and the demon, uh, Kane, even interfered. He wasn't scheduled to be in the match, and yet he interfered on behalf of Seth Rollins, who's working with the authority. This was just an unbelievable match. I mean, we saw Kofi Kingston do some amazing things. Rob Van Dam, anytime you put RVD with ladders and weapons, you know he always shines. He he has that uh, hardcore mentality. That's just unbelievable. And uh, we saw, you know, great moves. These guys, like I said, were killing themselves. At one point, Dean Ambrose did a, uh, uh, I believe it was a double underhook suplex to Seth Rollins onto a ladder. We saw, I think, Roman, uh, not Roman Reigns, Seth Rollins got backdropped onto the ladder. And this was very dangerous because they had a ladder set up in the middle of the ring, They had another ladder that was horizontal. It was stuck in between the vertical ladder and the ring rope, so it kind of created this bridge. And Seth Rollins, who was climbing up the ladder, got backdropped onto the bridging ladder. So nearly, what, 10, 15 feet up in the air, he was backdropped onto that ladder, and he bounced off that ladder. He damn near almost broke his neck. It was just a sick, sick Uh, moment in the match. It was just unbelievable. We saw so many just (laughs) high, high, dangerous, dangerous spots in the match, and it was just phenomenal, and of course, as I mentioned, Kane came in to help out Seth Rollins, and Seth Rollins would climb up that ladder with Kane protecting and guarding him, and Seth Rollins is now your new Mr. Money in the Bank. He has one year to cash that in, and to basically become the new WWE World Champion. I mean, only two people have failed out of 15 or out of 14 previous uh, Money in the Bank, you know, matches. Only two have failed their cash-ins. The other 12 have won successfully. So, I mean, that's a pretty good sign for Seth Rollins. So he KJ, be... who's the two that failed? I don't remember. The two that failed was, believe it or not. John Cena. John Cena was a Mr. Mr. Money in the Bank winner. He cashed it in against CM Punk and he lost. CM Punk defeated John Cena and retained his WWE championship. The other person was Damian Sandow. Damian Sandow... Sandow I
4: remember. Okay. Yeah, the other one I didn't remember.
5: Yeah, first was John Cena and second was Sandow. Sandow cashed in his Money in the Bank against John Cena who was the WWE champion at the time, right. both of those matches took place on Monday Night Raw. So, like I said, Monday Night Raw is always very, it's just a little extra special right now because at any moment someone could cash in that, you know, Money in the Bank briefcase and become the new champion. So, that's always very exciting. Yeah. But, okay, and next up, this was kind of a match that was thrown together, but Rod Baxel taking on Goldust and Stardust. First of all, let me just Cody Rhodes looks so frickin' scary. I every time I see him with that. Tom, yeah, what do you think of uh, Stardust?
0: I never got your take on that.
1: <laughs>
4: I love it. Tom. I love he it. it. <laughs> yeah.
1: Okay.
4: Gordon soul used okay. to call Dusty Rhodes Stardust back in the day. Did he? Yep. Wow. Yeah, he used to nickname him Dad. He said Stardust is here, and he also he called him something else, and now I can't think of it again. Not the Bull of the Woods. There was something else he used to call Dusty. Oh, the uh, the Cosmic Cowboy. That was another name that came out of Florida. That Gordon Soler used to call Dusty.
5: Well, the Rhodes family are keeping it all in the family. <laughs> yeah, they
4: are. But he's scary looking as as as, as, yep. as Stardust. He is.
5: He looks
4: frightening, but yes, yeah, he, he does. <laughs> Cody, Cody said a couple of weeks ago, I mean, Goldust said last week, he says, it looks like now I'm the normal one.
1: <laughs>
0: uh,
5: okay, so well, what else happened uh, at the pay-per-view? Well, Goldust and Stardust, they got the win against Ryb Axel, but uh, this could be a great opportunity for Cody Rhodes. I think, you know, they're trying to give him an opportunity to shine. It could be a very great character develop, as we mentioned before, with Kane when superstars evolve and they do something different. You know, Cody came into the WWE, and he was this kind of young, you know, green rookie just kind of trying to make his name. He formed with legacy. He formed, you know, tag teams with various superstars. He had that one phase where he was dashing Cody Rhodes He had another face. Cody's
4: mustache.
5: (laughs) Cody's mustache. He grew a mustache, and the fans loved it. He had the the face mask, and he would put paper bags on people. And now this is just another dimension into his character. So I'm curious to see whether or not the fans get behind him and support him or whether or not, you know, this is the final sort of catalyst to break up the Rhodes family and maybe we finally see that Gold versus Cody Rhodes match in the future. But right now, I think it's very interesting. It's something that's never been done before. So, you know, I'm I'm very curious to see where it goes. Yes. Okay, Uh, so what else
0: was on that pay-per-view?
5: Well, we had Rusev, who used to be the Bulgarian, you know, machine. Now he's the Russian machine. And he took on Big E Langston, which was sort of a patriotic match. Oh, yes. I, I did part of that. What do you? Th-
0: what's yeah. the story with that Russian? What's? Uh, what do you think they're going to do with that story a- angle? You think he's going to be a world title material, uh, JJ and Dominic?
4: I don't know. I haven't seen enough of him, really.
5: Yeah, yeah. I mean he's no, no to
4: make a judgment call. I, it, it's hard to tell with him. Yeah, he's mostly been. A he's part got of the look. The... Yep, I'm surprised a... they don't bring
0: her Nikolai Volkov. And, uh, you know, hit him in and put him, like, on the side there and uh, have him sing the national, the Russian national anthem like they did 20, 30 years
4: ago, yeah, you know? Back then, it was, back then it was funny. Now Lana has people pissed off. With Vladimir Putin. This is mm. the way we run oh. our country. Uh. Last week she said we were all impotent. Show <laughs> me your tits, honey. I'll show you how impotent I am.
0: <laughs> yeah, but uh, that she is a, uh, and let me tell you, there's, uh, there's no more uh, Russians than I have in my neighborhood. I don't know about you, Dominic, but where I live in Brighton Beach, you might as well call this Russia. So when I heard her speak, it, I felt like, uh, you know, the, you the lady like the You felt like you in a local,
4: the, the local bodega. <laughs> yeah,
0: absolutely. Duh, duh. <laughs> but it'd be very interesting if... Because he does get a very good heel reaction. Oh, yeah. So... And he has a look. Uh, but I don't know if he... I haven't, like Dominic said, I haven't seen enough of him. Mm-hmm. Uh, it'll be interesting if they... uh you know, make them championship material. You know, they, they had, what was his name, Vladimir Kozlov or something like that? Oh, I yeah. liked him.
4: Was also, yeah. Yeah. I liked him. It looked like and they didn't know what to do
0: with him. They didn't. They, they, they had yeah, they him didn't. with, like, uh, uh Okay. Sorry, JJ. Let's get back to the results.
5: Yeah, but uh, Rusev got the win against Big E. I mean, as you guys pointed out, we haven't really seen enough of Rusev. He's been a part of a lot of these squashes. But uh, Big E did his best. Uh, He does this one move that's very similar to, if you remember, WrestleMania 22 with Edge and McFoley when Edge did the spear on the apron. He went through the ring ropes onto the flaming table on the outside of the ring. Big E has kind of adopted that move as his own, where he does the spear
2: through the ring
5: ropes. But when he landed, I thought he almost gave himself a concussion, because he landed like in an exclamation point right on his head. So it was a bad landing, but... uh, you know, it, it was, a, you know, it was for Rusev, that was probably one of his better matches. But again, it wasn't that long, and, uh, you know, he pretty much dominated the match. So we're really looking forward to the time when Rusev has a legit outing and gets to demonstrate his skills in the ring. He does seem to be athletic for a guy his size, but, uh, again, we haven't seen enough of him. Uh, next up, this is another match that was kind of thrown together. We saw Summer Rae take on Layla, and Spandango was the special referee. Layla got the victory. So that's about as much time I want to spend on that match. <laughs> and of course, the main event, the main event for the WWE World Heavyweight Championship, which had Sheamus, Cesaro, Bray Wyatt, Alberto Del Rio, Roman Reigns, Randy Orton, and Kane, as well as John Cena. I mean, it was hard to top that Money in the Bank ladder match, but I thought these guys did, uh, you know, a pretty good job. It was, uh, there was one moment where these guys were standing. They were, I don't know how many people were standing on top of the ladder. Again, they had another ladder that was kind of wedged in between the rungs of the ladder. There were so many guys on the ladder. The ladder actually tipped over but because there was another ladder wedged in between the ladder didn't fall so basically you saw this ladder that looked like the tower of pisa it was tipped over and you had all these guys who were still standing on it it was just an amazing uh, sight to see but uh, and I even mentioned before Randy Orton at one point the ladder just clocked them right in the head busted them wide open for the first time in a long time we actually saw crimson red where Randy Holt was just completely covered in blood. He actually had to go, wow. you know, he had to go off camera, and the doctors had to put some Vaseline and try to stop the wound from bleeding because, of course, in this PG era, they don't want to show blood. They have to take care of the wound, but uh, it was a, definitely a that definitely added to the match. I mean, it definitely made it seem a lot more intense. So it was definitely kind of refreshing to see. At one point, uh, someone was climbing up the ladder, and Orton pulled their legs from underneath them. And as they were falling off the ladder, he jumped into an RKO, which just looked very smooth. Cesaro uh, didn't Cesaro didn't swing anyone, unfortunately. But Bray Wyatt had his moments where he did that sort of upside down, sort of crab walk or whatever it is. So of course the fans love that, but. Uh, it was a pretty good match, but then John Cena made history, and I don't think it surprised too many people. He became the 15-time WWE World Heavyweight Champion, which is a record in the WWE. A lot of fans know that Ric Flair is, of course, a 16-time But, of course, those title reigns are from WWE and NWA, WCW. But John Cena is a 15-time champion within the WWE. So that's, you know, a pretty historic moment for the WWE.
0: 15 times. But I got to say, to work defense, his 16 titles meant something. I think Dominic agrees with me. The titles, when he won... There was Blood, there was Harley Race, there was, you know, it wasn't like title change, you know, one month and then get it back the next. Do you agree, yeah.
4: Dominic? Yeah, you're 100% right. Yeah, and, and why Ric Flair's is so much better, because she held the heavyweight titles all over the place. NWA, WCW, WWE. I mean, you know, you Cena it. is just a WWE guy. That's it. Yeah, and the way the titles are now, some of them don't even mean nothing no more. Oh,
0: a hundred percent, a
4: hundred percent. And if the tag titles yeah. meant something, they had they had so many great tag teams only about six months ago. Now they only got the Usos and the Wyatts, and that's it. <laughs> yeah, that, see, that's it.
5: They split the Shield up. They had the Shield. They had Team hell No, and now they don't have any of them, so it's sad. Yep.
0: Oh, and I forgot to mention, Snitsky is a part of the ENA uh, also. Oh, uh, no,
4: Snitsky got fired already.
5: <laughs>
4: what? Snitsky got fired already.
5: And Ezekiel Jackson.
4: Yeah, him too. He got fired Holy. too. Holy
5: shit.
0: Yeah, there was
4: another taping the day after that. And Dixie right. fired the bolt at him because they couldn't get the job done or something. But yeah. oh, Zeke he lives line. in New York, and Snitsky lives in Pennsylvania, so that's why they were used. Oh, okay.
0: So it was a storyline angle.
4: Yeah, yeah. What about Rhino? Rhino was still there. He was there the last day they did New York tapings. That's good. He's, oh, with, good. Okay. he's with Team Dixie now.
0: Oh, okay. Good, good, good.
4: Yeah. yeah, you know,
0: a lot of people say that's like a copy of The Authority. Uh, J.J., do you agree?
5: Well, like like even uh, Brian said before, you can try to mention, like with Eric Young and Daniel Bryan, that they're copying. I think it's just the right place at the right time. You look at the history of wrestling... They've always had this sort of authority figure. I could even date back to ECW and the network. You remember Don Callis and Steve Carino and Rhino? Rhino oh, was a I remember that.
4: that. The network was not oh, like yeah, Yeah,
5: that was oh, of their so their
4: authority. I would have never remember. remembered
5: that. Yeah, I mean, I remember it. Uh, yeah,
4: the network doesn't like what we, what you're doing out here. I'm going, oh, shit. Mm-hmm. Yep. Who is that Don Callis, right? Yeah. You yeah.
1: don't see him no more.
4: Nope. That's a shame. He's good. He was up in Canada doing some promoting and whatever, but I haven't heard nothing from him no more.
0: Right, right. Unbelievable. Okay, uh, Dominic, can you give us a uh,
4: the uh, birthday report before we do the war? I'll gladly do that, and I'll tell you, I really enjoyed Raw. Raw was fantastic last night. Except for a couple of stars How many stars? All right, let's five
0: see. Stars. How, many? How many stars, Dominic? Five stars.
4: I give it four stars.
0: Wow. All right,
4: today's restless just- birthdays: Mega Man McGee from Mexico. He's deceased now. Abismo Negro. Independent star Bad Blood. Moondog Molson. Justin Cage and Yoshitatsu and we also got Marissa Mazzola the wife of Shane O'Mac celebrities we got Deborah Harry you remember her um, Princess Diana Dan Aykroyd and Pamela it's Princess Anderson Princess Diana's birthday today? yeah and Pamela Anderson oh God. July 1st 1994 gotta love this one Gentleman Chris Adams defeated Rugged Rob Price in Dallas, Texas to win for the second time the Global Wrestling Federation North American title. And I think he was the last champion because then Global folded.
0: Wow. Wow. And then uh, July also, later on, I believe, Hulk Hogan makes his debut uh, against Ric Flair. What what pay-per-view was that, Dominic? Do you remember? No, not at all. Hmm. I think it was Bash at the Beach or something like that, where he beat Ric Flair, and he just came in for the first time.
4: Well, if Hogan beat Ric Flair, they should have called it the travesty.
0: (laughs) Believe me, anybody coming in for the first time, I don't care who the name is, should not beat Ric Flair. No, no, you way. know, yeah, you know, I I understand coming in from a business standpoint, but you 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 build up the angle and stuff like that. You don't make Ric Flair job out like that right away.
2: No, and you then
0: don't. He was, the, no. He, he was he was WC. He was to WCW was, was Hogan was to WWF. Yep, and that was uh, that was disappointing, you know, to do that and. uh... It's amazing that, that that's coming up to so that Macho Man started to come, uh, yeah. Mean Gene, yep. and then two years later, the NWO. Wow. I can't yeah. believe that's 18 years ago when the yeah, NWO... It really. seems first. like
4: only yesterday.
0: Yeah. Seems like only yesterday. Okay, uh, Dominic, would you please do the honor of giving us a uh, world recap?
4: All right. Triple H and Stephanie open up the show. Stephanie looked so hot, my TV melted again. Her tits were (laughs) amazing. They were out there saying (laughs) hello. And I was saying hello back. So they open up the show, and they're talking about the pay-per-view. And... Of course, they're talking about the next pay-per-view already. And they're proud of Seth Rollins. Then they bring out John Cena. They announce the 15-time world champion. Cena comes out. He's got the bulk belts. And he comments that he's going to give a shot to Daniel Bryan the minute Daniel Bryan is ready to come back because you, the authority, never gave him, it, get, never gave him the shot. That he deserves. And then they drop a banner from the ceiling of John Cena on the cover of 2K15, the video game. And Cena says, you two are being too nice. Something's wrong. Meanwhile, Triple H then says, Gunn, you're the champion. The next pay-per-view, you got Randy Orton and Kane in a fatal four-way. And the fourth man is Roman Reigns at Battleground." And he says, "Uh, John, by the way, if plan A don't work, there's always a plan B. And out comes Seth Rollins for his match. This match was unbelievable. Seth Rollins defeated Rob Van Dam. A hard-hitting match, long, one hold after a hold, near pinfalls from both guys. Both guys, unbelievable working in there. Work ethic was hundred percent. Then we got Renee Young backstage with Seth Rollins. He's all arrogant with her. Uh, you got to call me Mister and all of that. Dean Ambrose interrupts on the big screen and calls Triple H. Seth Rollins is daddy, and then he says, "You also got Uncle Kane," which I thought that was pretty funny. Dean Ambrose is excellent on the mic. Excellent. Then we got Lana and Alexander Rusev cutting a promo, of course, degrading in the United States. Out comes Jack Swagger to a gigantic USA chant, We the People with Zeb Coulter. And the crowd was ballistic for Sw- uh, Jack Swagger. Never heard them cheer so much for USA since the last time Duggan was out. Swagger throws Rusev around,
0: huh? Oh my God! Swagger
4: throws Swagger throws Rusev around like like he's a beach ball. He's getting the better of him, and (laughs)
1: Lana
4: stops Rusev from going back in the ring. So I think they're saving that. Then we got the Wyatt family: Bray Wyatt, Luke Harper, and Eric Rowan winning over Jay and Jimmy Uso and Sheamus. But it was a big, wide-open six-man tag. It could have been anybody's ball game. It was a great one. I enjoyed that. Then Stephanie puts Nikki Bella against Cameron and Naomi in a handicap match just because Nikki brought Bree to the pay-per-view and Bree is no longer with the company. That comes later. Then we got a total waste of time with Bo Dallas coming out on his no. knees. Oh, my God. He's on his knees like that statue, the thinker, for one minute of silence for two guys that are unable to compete. Bad news, Barrett is on the shelf and Daniel Bryan. But then we don't even get a match with Bo Dallas. You know, team is saying, what would he do, fall asleep? He said, what's all the meaning of this? He's not doing anything. Then we got <laughs> Naomi and Cameron beat Nikki Bella, and Naomi and Cameron had problems again with each other. They announced that at WWE's Battleground pay-per-view, there will be a battle royal to determine a new IC champion. Wade Barrett does need soldier shoulder surgery, and he will be on the shelf. Then we got another promo by Paul Heyman, again, 21 and 1. I'm the one behind the 21 and 1. It's like, Heyman, shut up, man. The same shit every week. (laughs) Just play a fucking record of yourself. We don't need to hear it. And then we got a match, Kofi Kingston against Antonio Cesaro. And I don't know what happened during a commercial break, but we come back and Kofi is getting his balls beat in. And they said, well, if you have the network, you would have saw the ending of the match. I said, they better show this shit, but they did. Kofi Kingston got in a pinfall on Antonio Cesaro. Cesaro went nuts when the match was over, just beat the hell out of Kofi, leaving him laying there. Then we got a backstage interview Well, backstage skit, I should say, with Santino Morella. And it's all set up like a barbecue. And he says, I'm so depressed. Nobody came into to my party. And all of a sudden, Adam Rose shows up with all his jerk-offs from the bus. And they deliver that hard iced tea, which is a new sponsor for the WWE. Then we got Damian Sandow come out. In yet another disguise. This time he was dressed as Mr. McMahon since it came from Connecticut. And totally honest, this was funny as hell. He did McMahon's strut, the mannerisms, you're fired. He did the whole thing (laughs) perfect. He was funny as hell. This was his best one. Then we see Stephanie Uh on the big screen, and she says, How dare you make fun of my father? My father built this company up from the bottom. Where do you get off making fun of my father? You now have a match. Out comes a great Kali, and his walk to the ring took longer than the match. He gets in the ring, gives one chop to the head of Damien Sandow, and that's the end of him. Meanwhile, earlier in the show, a limo pulled up. Now, I'm thinking, oh, shit, it's Ric Flair. But... Yeah, really. The guest comes out, and it's The Miz. And The Miz cuts a heel promo about being a Hollywood star. And all of a sudden, we hear Chris Jericho's music. And out comes Chris Jericho. And after some words back and forth, Chris Jericho gives the code breaker to The Miz. We got a promo by Chris Jericho. Then the lights go out. And when they come back on... Y2J is surrounded by the Wyatt family, and they beat the hell out of Jericho. Dolph Ziggler defeated Fandango with Layla. Summer Rae then comes out, steps right in the ring, and starts kissing Dolph Ziggler. And he ate that shit up. He continued with it, loving every minute of it. And it looks like it got Fandango upset, and it cost him the match. All right. Then we go to Goldust and Stardust. The winners over Curtis Axel and Ryback. Now, I love that team. It reminds me of an old-school team, but they're not doing nothing with them.
1: Yeah. We
4: got a promo by Paige, who talks about being the champion, and out comes A.J. Lee to another one of the pops of the night, and people were going, CM Punk, CM Punk. She congratulates <laughs> Paige. Paige won't let A.J. wrestle her, And she says, I don't want to wrestle you now. And AJ says, why don't we ask the fans? And the fans go, yes, yes, yes. AJ Lee defeated Paige, new ladies champion. Then we got the main event, which was Randy Orton and Kane taking on John Cena and Roman Reigns. Excellent tag team match. At one point, Kane was left alone with John Cena. Well, the chase was on with Randy Orton and, and Roman Reigns. And Kane got disqualified because he used the ring steps. And Cena is laying there unconscious. And all of a sudden, Seth Rollins comes out with the briefcase. But uh, Roman Reigns comes back. We didn't get a bell. We didn't get a referee. So that don't count as trying to cash in. So after Roman Reigns comes back in um he chases off he chases off Seth Rollins. Meanwhile Kane did everything in that match to help Randy Orton. It's like he's in the authority's back pocket still. And I think Kane is going to wow. get sick of that spot and and turn on the authority. And that was the show. Wow. Yep.
0: So uh, you gave it five stars, uh, JJ. What about you? How many stars?
5: Yeah, I mean, uh, like Dominic said, it was a really great raw, something we don't really see every week. One of the reasons why it was so great was because it was—it felt like something of the Attitude Era when you had—you didn't know what to expect. There were a lot of unexpected things that happened that surprised a lot of people. Uh, you talk about Chris Jericho's return. I mean, Chris Jericho for months has been denying the fact that he's going to return to the WWE all day on Monday. They were promoting on social media, on WWE.com, that a uh, cross-platform former WWE champion would be returning to the company. And as Dominic pointed out, I thought it might be Ric Flair. And then, of course, The Miz came out. The Miz from the real world you know he's done some movies for the WWE, Christmas Bounty, and the New Marine that's going to be coming out on DVD soon. So we're all thinking, oh great, so all this hype for the cross, you know, platform uh, superstar, former world champion is just the Miz, and it wasn't. It was Chris Jericho, and the fact that they were able to keep that a secret in this day and age where everything is leaked and there are spoilers and you know what's going to happen. The fact that nobody predicted Chris Jericho's return was really well done. I mean, my hat's off to them. And as uh, Jericho did a code breaker to the Miz, the Wyatts came in and interrupted Jericho. And just for a few moments, you saw Chris Jericho in the ring with all three Wyatt family members. The fans were chanting, this is awesome, before yes. they even, even clashed. I mean, it was such a surreal moment, because if you think about it, Chris Jericho left the WWE last year after the Money in the Bank pay-per-view. And in that time, the Wyatts have just started to come to the top of the WWE, and Bray Wyatt and Harper and Rowan are, you know, in the tag division, and they've really made a name for themselves. And now, a year later, after Money in the Bank again, this time Chris Jericho returns to the company, so he's someone who's never had you know an encounter with the Wyatts, so that's going to be very uh, interesting and very exciting to see you know Jericho mix it up with the Wyatts. Jericho always does a phenomenal job with whoever he works with in the last few years. He's worked with CM Punk, he's worked with Fandango, he's worked with Dolph Ziggler, and he really helped elevate them to the top of their game, so I'm very curious to see him and Bray Wyatt. Uh, Earlier in the show, as he mentioned, Seth Rollins, Rob Van Dam, these guys had to be beat up after that Money in the Bank ladder match. They were moving just a little bit slower, but they still had a really great match. And what really surprised me, again, something that you don't expect, was the reaction that Jack Swagger got when he interrupted Rusev and Lana. Jack Swagger, who for the most part, most fans, you know, they don't really care that much for. They're not that invested into him they gave him such a huge pop, him and Zeb Coulter when they interrupted Rusev there were We The People chants there were USA chants and that's something that Big E Langston wasn't able to get and Big E came out in red, white, and blue he came out with the American flag and the fans could have cared less here Jack Swagger comes out with Zeb and his you know, We The People you know, stuff and the people just ate it up, they loved it and it almost makes me wonder if putting Cesaro with Paul Heyman was the wrong move. And maybe they should have kept Cesaro with Zeb Coulter, because right now these guys are over. Cesaro's over, but yet at the same time, people don't like Heyman. So I'm very confused with that relationship. You've got Cesaro, who's a fan favorite. The people want to see the swing. They like the guy. Then you've got Paul Heyman, who comes out. It annoys the fans with the 21 and one, and my client Brock Lesnar defeated the Undertaker's undefeated streak. We've heard it time and time again, and it gets under our, you know, our nerves. So I'm very confused with the relationship with Cesaro and Heyman. So I, I almost wish he would have stayed with the Real Americans because it seems that maybe Jack Swagger might be getting a face turn. Who knows? But uh, very I think so.
4: That's what I do. I would turn Jack Swagger and Zeb. Into fan favorites mm-hmm. and feud feud him with uh, with Rusev because yeah. everybody loves Dutch Mantel. Yeah. and I think it'll be great. I think it'll be great. I think I I could think he could take Rusev to school because Swagger knows a lot of stuff. Only they're not letting him do it. Cesaro, yeah. I think he's going to get sick of Paul Heyman constantly putting Brock Lesnar above him. He's mm-hmm. going to say, "You want Brock Lesnar?" Fuck you, you take them. I'm going out on my own. And then maybe Zeb will bring them back.
5: I hope so. Then we'll
4: have that tag team back again. Because that's another team they broke up.
5: I like the Real Americans. I thought they were great. And uh, as you pointed out, Raw, when was the last time the fans ever blew the roof off for a diva? Not maybe since the days of Lita and Trish Stratus. A.J. Lee, who just returned from her honeymoon in Hawaii with yep. the best in the world came back on such a huge ovation. People uh, were just excited to see AJ Lee. Yes, they did chant for CM Punk. I think yep. the, most of the smart fans know she's now his wife in yep. real life. But I think the fans also were genuinely happy because I don't think Paige has lived up to her expectations. You so, know, She was a really big thing at NXT. They bring her yeah. up in the roster and she's kind of has kind of been flat. She hasn't made the impact I think they wanted. So they bring AJ at the right time. She takes the title back from Page and the fans went crazy. So hopefully you know, we'll see maybe a match between them at Battleground, and I'm curious to see whether or not the fans continue to support AJ, or if they go back and forth with Paige. I mean, for the first time in a while, people are talking about the Divas division, which is something they never do. So that was kind of nice to see them get that And as I pointed out, the main event, uh, Kane, Orton, Cena, Roman Reigns, there was that disqualification where Kane used the steps. And then Seth Rollins wanted to cash in against Cena, who was laid out. And then Roman Reigns came in, and he speared Kane. Roman Reigns took out. That's right. He speared Kane, too, yeah. And Dean Ambrose was the one who came in. And Ambrose, who's been feuding with Rollins, he prevented Seth from cashing in. Money in the Bank, because Dean Ambrose, as you pointed out, is so great on the microphone. Uh, During the show, he said there's only one thing that's going to survive a nuclear blast. It's Twinkies, cockroaches, and Dean Ambrose. Yep, yep. He's just a, a really great talent. I think nothing but big things are in store for him. He's really just, he's got the whole package. His wrestling ability, he takes a lot of risks. He's kind of careless. He's a lunatic. You know, he's, he reminds me of Brian uh, Pillman, that loose cannon, you know. Yeah, yeah. Earlier I'm, in
4: the show, Dean Ambrose said said to Seth Rollins, hey, Seth, from one scumbag to another, I yeah. said, oh, shit, they said scumbag on TV and it's not TNA. Yeah. That was awesome. <laughs>
0: Huh. Uh, yeah, that was awesome, but uh, that doesn't happen. Yeah. Mostly it's PNA Dominic Wright, that's uh, saying uh, things
4: like... Uh, yeah, you son you of know, a bitch. Uh, mm-hmm. You piece of right. shit. You scumbag. Cock sucker. No, that's yeah, that they ain't they said it? yet. We're not there yet. <laughs> <laughs> not yet. No, not yet. Right. Pretty soon. They, Pretty soon we'll humiliate They definitely are more liberal. Pretty soon we'll hear (laughs) cocksucker, prick bastard, motherfucker, and tits.
0: They definitely are more liberal than the WWE when it comes to, uh, you know, saying these things. Because WWE is very cautious. Well,
4: uh, if WWE brought in Andrew Dice Clay, they'd be able to say all those. We'd have Dice do fucking poems all night long.
0: uh, (laughs) Ah! Okay, I do want to get into the WWE budget cuts. This is courtesy of the Solomon Monster, TVTrack.com. Let's listen and debate on the other
2: side. WWE pretty hard in recent weeks. I'm sure you've read all the stories. We had those 11 roster cuts last week, which I don't think we would have had if they weren't looking to trim the budget, because it's been a long time since they've cut people in mass like that and all of a sudden 11 people at once. It's pretty obvious what's going on here. They're going to lose their ass on the network short term. They're projecting, I think, losses for the next year of 45 to $52 million, and that has everything to do with the, the cost related to launching and maintaining the network. And the network does not seem to be growing as quickly as they would have hoped. You know, People were having a discussion on the Facebook group, about this, and I chimed in and said, look, you know, in August, they're going to announce, they've said that in August, they're going to announce the next network number. The first number was 667,000, which was right on the border of good and not so good, leaning towards good. Okay, so I don't think it was anywhere near as high as they had hoped, but it wasn't a disaster. So you would think, okay, they're going to announce another number in August, and maybe the number this time will be 800,000 or 850, 900 they'd probably be doing a dance. Well, don't be shocked if they announce that number in August and the number is lower than 667,000. Not not like, you know, ridiculously low like 300, but if let's say it goes down from 667 to 550 or somewhere between 550 and 600, don't be surprised. Don't be surprised because you got a lot of people whose 6-month subscriptions are coming up and I can tell you right now there's going to be a lot of people who aren't going to renew. And I also think that there's a lot of international people that they're banking on as they roll this thing out to new countries. You know, I know publicly they're saying it hasn't launched outside the U.S. yet, and at the end of the year, early 2015, we're going to be in the U.K., and we're going to be in, all the, in Canada and all these different places. But there's a ton of people all over the world who are not supposed to have the network who do, who are probably lumped into that number. And so they may be figuring, hey, we're going to roll this thing out all over the world, you know, end of this year, beginning of next year, and the numbers are going to go up even higher. You would think so, but that may not be the case. They may not go up nearly as high as they think. If you've already got, and I don't know what the percentage would be, we could say 10%, 20%, whatever it is, of those international folks already have the network, and they're not even factoring that into their numbers. So there's a lot of different things here that I look at, and it makes me, you know, if I'm WWE, it makes me very concerned. Anyway, the network is not doing as well as they had hoped. I like the network, it's just, it's been uh, slow growing. And it's costing them a shitload of money. And one of the areas, and this is just a rumor, this is not confirmed, it originated with a report on the, uh, the WrestleZone website, but supposedly has been uh, backed up by somebody on Reddit who's got sources in WWE, you know how that goes. But it seems as though budget cuts have hit the production side of WWE, and usually what they would do is they would provide tour buses for a lot of the production staff. They would you know, supply the buses to transport them from one TV taping to the next, and the company would pay for it. Now those buses are gone, and the crew has been told that they're going to have to drive themselves from city to city for the tapings and pay for it out of their own pocket. And in a lot of cases, these are not people that are making a lot of money. So for them to have to pay these expenses out of their own pocket, and they're already working ridiculous hours. I don't envy these people at all in terms of the schedule. And we're not talking about the people like Kevin Dunn's buddies that sit in the truck with him. We're talking about the production people who are like boots on the ground, setting everything up. When we watch Raw Monday nights and we watch the pay-per-views, what we see in terms of the set and everything else that makes the show look as slick and as professional as it does, that's because of these people. They're the ones that are out there grinding it out, doing all the hard work and the grunt work to make the shows look as good as they do. So this is a big deal. I mean, these—you know—you probably got people that are working. I mean, 15, 17, 18-hour days, who now have to drive themselves for hours on end. Forget the expense for a second, which is bad enough, but now they've got to drive from city to city. Hopefully not by themselves, but in some cases perhaps by themselves. You have to think that these people are exhausted. They're tired. It could be a safety issue now for them. I mean, it's it's. It sounds like a really bad situation if, in fact, it is true, and uh, my sense is that it probably is, but I just can't be sure, but that's that's pretty bad, and, and you know, one of the things about what these guys do, it's a thankless job. So These guys are behind the scenes. We don't know their names. We never see them. Uh, they never get credit. There's no credits that roll at the end of the show or anything like that. It's a thankless job, and it sounds like that job just got a lot tougher because of the budget cuts that are stemming from the network. So the network is affecting a lot of different things in this company right now. They're looking to cut cost at cut uh, costs at every corner. There's certain aspects of people's entrances that they're not doing anymore, Fandango's Golden Curtain and all that kind of stuff. And I know there's been rumors that they're not flying the Rosebuds anymore for Adam Rose. I don't know that they were flying them anywhere before. I think they may have been driving themselves. So I'm, I'm pretty sure the Rosebuds will still be there. They probably just get people from whatever city they're in, wrestlers who I'm sure would love to get on TV in some way, and they just dress them up and throw them out there. But if that really is going on, back to the production stuff and the buses and all that, uh, look, WWE's their company; they could do what they want. I guess to them it's a luxury and not a right that they provided that sort of thing to those people. But that's not right. I mean, that that's really uh, that's really low rent if that is in fact what's going on. One more WWE item here before we uh, move on, and this comes from the website WrestlingDVDNews.com, so I want to give them credit for this. Uh, They say that home video and merchandise partners have been issued a memo from WWE stating that the new logo will come into effect on August 18th. That's the night after SummerSlam, and that would jog with something that Stephanie McMahon said during a business presentation she did before WrestleMania this year where she said the new logo would be used on all branding starting sometime this summer. There was a fake logo floating around, and whether it was fake or one of the illustrations that WWE considered before it rejected, I don't know. But I, I got a copy of it. I tweeted it out. You can go on my Twitter. A few days ago, I, I put the picture up. I like that logo a lot. A lot better than the network logo. I know some people think the one I tweeted out looks too cartoonish, but I, I thought that one looked a lot slicker, just a lot nicer than the one that they're actually using, which I'm pretty sure is just the network logo. I mean, the network logo was on the new corporate jet. It's on the flag on top of Titan Tower. So that's. I'm pretty sure that'll be the logo that we're getting on the uh, the 18th, I guess. They'll have to change over the WWE title belt as well. I'm sure they're already working on that. So uh, finally, after all these years, it, it's really going to happen. We're getting a new logo, and that's the one that, like it or not, we're going to have to stare at for for many years to come.
0: Okay, J.J., I want to go to you first on this. Give me your thoughts of uh, what you just heard.
5: Well, I mean, we talked about it uh, before I mentioned it at the start of the show. They, he mentioned 11 cuts. Well, now the total is 13. Uh, they also got rid of one of their writers. They got rid of Josh Matthews. Uh, Josh Matthews, who I thought had a job for life there, I mean, especially with the network. He's been doing the pre- and post-shows. He did the WrestleMania covers yeah. on the network. I oh, he was so, uh, doing the network, right? He was the network guy. He was doing all their specials. I mean, he was the host. But you know, everybody in WWE is basically replaceable now. They have Byron Saxon or they I'll have. tell they you, cut. he fit
0: right in his TNA,
5: because as far as I'm concerned, they could kick Jeremy
0: Borish. Uh, you know, as far as uh, as far as I can point, because that is a one no talented bastard, uh, JB in my opinion, but and compared to Josh Matthews at least, who was on tough enough at one point and uh didn't win and uh in I believe two thousand six or seven, uh, even though he didn't win they took him in. Isn't that right, JJ?
5: Actually it was two thousand one. It was two thousand one, believe it or not. He was a part of the MTV. He's been with the company for nearly 13 years. Even though he was a runner-up to Maven and Nadia, he stayed with the company. He uh, worked as a commentator. He was a backstage interviewer. He eventually became the announcer for SmackDown, for Velocity, for Sunday Night Heat, for even ECW on Sci-Fi, And then uh, recently he's been doing the WWE Network. So he's had a 13-year career in the WWE i tell you, though, just to,
0: to talk about the network, you know, the times have changed, Twitter, social media, but it hasn't changed enough everybody. There's people like Blackjack and Dominic who are not, and even me to a certain degree, who are not perfectly computer savvy. Computer yeah. is not as easy to turn on like you could turn on a cable channel. And I, yeah. that's why I think they're having issues with the network. Like for you, JJ, yeah. this is your era and probably mine too. And uh, it's probably more easier for us. But the people that are used to the the old school televisions and things like that, it's very hard to make the transition. And, Dominic, let me ask you if you agree about that with some people uh, in regards to not wanting to get involved with computers and you know just staying with the old school way. Do you think that's
4: a factor? Yeah, without a doubt. I mean, there's some people that call my hotline that don't have a computer that rely on me to give the results in the news. They don't have they don't have the computer, and a computer is not the, really the easiest thing. When I had uh, when I had web TV, I got so used to it. But when they were folding. I said, what do I do now? And lucky I got a couple of good friends. Um, Jeff Sheridan, who we know, and my buddy Jimmy out on Long Island. They know their computers. And at the time, Jeff lived in Brooklyn, and he'd come over here every couple of times a week to help me program my shit. I didn't know what I was doing. And when my friend Jimmy would come over, he would help me save my favorites. Um, how to make the icons, how to do a few different tricks. And uh Wow. I didn't know I didn't know a goddamn thing. I said, Forget it. I got so pissed one day I was gonna give up the hotline, fling the laptop really? out the window and say, Fuck it. Yeah. Wow. It came very close to that. You
0: thirty years were gonna give up the hotline? <laughs> I
4: I would have had a re- Wow. I would have had I would have had my uh, to read my news out of the newsletters instead of getting them online. Wow, right? Uh, do you it remember? It was very Coach frustrating at, at at the first first phase. Do you remember Coach Kirk? Sure, I always used to call him. Yeah, I used to 66. call him when I fell asleep <laughs> on Raw, and I used to call him for his Motor City Wrestling report.
0: That's right. That's right. Wow.
4: Yep. Yeah. That was a, lot a, of, a lot of my day. calls remember Coach Kurtz from back in the day. 976-1111. One, one,
0: one, one. Yeah, and they had a sports one, too. Uh,
4: that's there right. Was like a the sports one. talk thing, too. Yep.
0: And uh, they had that three-in-the-morning show when I believe, what, John Aresley or something in the uh, 80s also? Do you remember that show? Well,
4: I don't remember. Wrestling Three in the Radio? morning. I know a Rezzy had one on Sunday afternoons. Sunday morning. I came okay, Yeah, 11.
1: There
4: was another one. Like 1230. Yeah, there was another one. Three in the morning. Sir Adam and the Phantom, I think. Yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah.
4: And, and I they think, called that uh, other Jody guy the Phantom. They called that other guy the Phantom, well, that but was the his name was Adam.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I think so, you were on the show once or somebody yeah,
4: from the Hotline world. I could hardly hear it, yeah, though. I had a yeah. bad, bad connection. Yeah. John O'Reilly, so, um, I was always on there with Donnie Liable back in the day.
0: Yeah, and uh, Vince Russo
4: screwed uh, uh, John, didn't he? Fuck Vince Russo. I can't stand that bastard. <laughs> <laughs> I hate when he is oh. I hate when he wears a Yankee jersey. He he ain't even he because he ain't even fit to touch a blade of grass at Yankee Stadium. You put a uh, Yankee jersey on that scumbag. <laughs>
0: you know where he lives now?
4: Where is he now? Colorado. Really, he's in Colorado he, now. Yeah, he was on Taz
0: on on Taz's uh, radio show. Let me give him a little plug since he's on the family show here. Uh, Taz, uh, if you go to Taz Radio, they really uh, talk about uh, some funny stuff, how he thought he was going to definitely be fired and how he went to WCW. I mean, the man's a scumbag by... A lot of accounts, but it is a very interesting listen.
4: When's the last time so Taz did a podcast?
0: May twentieth. Oh, was yeah. getting lazy.
4: Yeah. Just what a- happened? I thought he was going to do one more often. I used to see it on one of the websites to click here for Taz's thing, and never see one. Yeah. Anywhere. Right.
0: And the same thing with Jericho. He hasn't updated it. uh, Austin hasn't updated one recently, as far as I know. Uh, Uh, I think Piper has. Piper has. But uh, let me ask you, because this leads into the next clip. I'll start with you, JJ. What is your thoughts and feelings on then putting the title
5: on Bobby Lashley, TNA, that is. Well, I said it before, uh, I like Bobby Lashley. I think especially now that he has this sort of MMA background, he's more legitimate in the eyes of wrestling fans, and I think that carries some weight in TNA. Are there more people deserving to be champion, like a Samoa Joe or a Bobby Roode or a James Storm? of course, these guys have been in TNA you know, some of them since day one, you know, they definitely deserve it. But uh, I think that with Bobby Lashley, a lot of people, of course, remember him from his time in WWE, and that always adds more eyeballs. I mean, he was a part of that big WrestleMania with Donald Trump and Vince McMahon, or Donald Trump shaved Vince Ball. So the thing is, Bobby Lashley, whether you, you like the situation or not, he brings a little bit more eyes to the product, and that's a good thing. And I think, uh, you know, he's a he's a pretty good wrestler. I really like the match he had with Samoa Joe at uh, Slammiversary. I thought they had a nice match. And then his the triple threat with Eric Young and Austin Aries, I like that. You know, his match with Eric Young where he won the title, you know, that was all right on impact. So uh, I'm looking forward to seeing what's next for Bobby Lashley. Of course, if you watch TNA, uh, you know, at first Dixie Carter, was running things, and then MVP came in and became the new director of operations. And now MVP is taking a back seat, and now Kurt Angle appears to be the man in charge over there at TNA, and he's the new director of uh, authority, if you will. So it's very curious to see how Bobby Lashley and uh, you know Kurt Angle sort of clash now that Lashley is one of the MVP's guys, and now. Angle will be doing everything he can to get the title off Lashley. So, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing what happens next. Yeah, I'm to your thoughts on Mr. Lashley.
4: I like Bobby Lashley. like him a lot. Like J.J. said, there are, well, there are other guys more worthy of that heavyweight title, like Samoa Joe. I think they could have kept it on EY a little bit longer. Um, Bobby Roode, James Storm, even Mr. Anderson. But yes, um, uh, Bobby Lashley does bring a lot a to the table at the the Manhattan.
0: Who got a huge pop at Manhattan? Uh, Kenny Anderson just wanted to bring that up.
4: Oh yeah, yeah. And uh, Bobby Lashley does bring a lot to the table. He's different. It was yes. a surprise. And I always like Bobby Lashley. I'm glad for him. I hope E. Y. gets that belt back.
0: Uh-huh. And his kids are, and wife were at the show, and he's married to a young white girl. Very attractive. And, uh, you know, somebody uh, spotted him and, uh, well, knew, and they uh, got the word. Who is Bobby uh,
4: Lashley?
0: Yeah, she could be no older than 25. His uh, wow. ex-wife Crystal was
4: gorgeous. Yeah. Oh,
0: yeah? Was she white or black?
4: Not that it matters, but
0: was she white or black?
4: Light-skinned, black girl, huge fucking tits. She was amazing. She was in WWE? (laughs) Okay. Yeah, as Crystal Marshall.
0: So with that in mind, let's take a listen to Solomon's uh, take on Bobby Lashley, and we'll talk about it on other side and see if we agree with Matt Hardy back with
2: TNA he's coming back for the New York City tapings and uh, on Twitter I saw Bully Ray was teasing a possible Hardy's versus Dudley's match which would actually be a pretty cool attraction I think for them to give the fans those two teams made the table match famous in WWE at the uh, Royal Rumble in Madison Square Garden which is just in the shadows it's like a block away from the Manhattan Center where they're going to be this week that does not seem to bode well for Matt's future in Ring of Honor. He is actually wrestling on the ROH pay-per-view tonight, teaming with Mike Bennett against the Briscoes. Uh, according to this week's uh, Observer, what happened was TNA came to Matt and said, listen, we're going to pay you X amount of money. We want you back to the New York tapings. He turned him down. And they came back to him a second time with substantially uh, more money, and he accepted the offer. So apparently they have the money to give to Matt Hardy, but not AJ Styles or Daniels, or any number of homegrown guys that they've had. That's good to know. But they're doing what they can, it seems, to load up these, these New York shows, which they have to. They absolutely have to. Uh, you know, They're bringing back the six-sided ring. That's my guess. My guess is the six-sided ring is going to come back. I'd be stunned if four sides actually won the vote. Even Dixie Carter was on Twitter a few days ago and basically said the same thing. She said that six sides was dominating. Four sides was getting crushed. So unless there's a big swing in the vote, my guess is that they're going to have the six-sided ring in New York. Uh, They're reuniting the Hardys, which hopefully means the end of Willow. I know they've also announced a a title match between Lashley and Jeff Hardy for the first tapings on Wednesday. So hopefully that's yet another sign that Willow is no more. Uh, They're bringing in the great Muda for one of the tapings this week. They're making another one of the tapings. I think the one on Thursday is going to be an all-X Division show, the, uh, the Destination X show. Uh, I want to say it's on Thursday. Brian Blade and I are going to the third taping on Friday, so you know, we kind of feel left out here. Hopefully they'll save something special for us. Uh, all of this brings us to Impact this past Thursday. The first batch of tapings coming off the worst collection of tapings in the history of wrestling, and the first tapings outside the Impact Zone in Orlando in quite some time. Uh, They will not be back there for at least several months, so they were on the road this week in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. Far from a packed house, but definitely a livelier crowd than we have seen for impact in a long time, and it helped the show. It was not the reason that the show was good. The show was actually an improvement over a lot of those recent shows, but the crowd certainly helped out a lot more. Okay, but I don't want to hear, well, see, that's... A perfect example of what you know Russo was saying in his blog about how it's all about the crowd. And If the crowd is hot, then the show is hot. That's not true. You could still have a shitty show with a hot crowd. This was not a shitty show. They had a hot crowd, and the show itself was a hell of a lot better than the last, I don't know, four or five episodes of Impact, probably, maybe more. It was a big improvement over those recent shows, which isn't saying much, but still. Impact also did its uh, best number in over two months. So hopefully we can look back months from now and just forget those last four or five shows ever happened. (laughs) That's my hope. The pros. We have a new TNA World Heavyweight Champion. His name is Bobby Lashley. Or just Lashley. I think they may have shaved his first name off. The uh, Eric Young reign has come to an end. We no longer have a bearded champion in either promotion, which is very sad. But it was a necessary change. I like Eric Young, but not his world champion. It just was not working. You know, when the champion is wrestling in main events, every single week and those segments are doing some of the lowest numbers on the show week after week i mean mvp and eric young which was supposed to be the main event of this pay-per-view last weekend they had two matches on television and the most recent match they had i think they lost like 50 or sixty thousand viewers how did that happen how did something like that even happen so it wasn't working it's not a good sign when that happens You know, Lashley is another former WWE guy, yes, but you know what? Now they can build to putting the belt back on either Samoa Joe or Bobby Roode, two TNA originals who are over with the fans and who deserve another shot with the title. I would be fine with either one of those guys getting another title reign. That was the other big news, by the way. Bobby Roode is back. They did an angle before that last set of tapings where he was suspended, and then they taped all those shows, and he wasn't there. So it's been a while since we've seen him, uh, after Lashley beat EY in the main event, Root hopped the guardrail in street clothes to attack the League of Extraordinary Black Gentlemen. Clearly uh, positioned now as a babyface, and I think that's the right role for him right now. They seem to be building to a Lashley versus Rude match down the line. Uh, but then again, this is TNA, so it'll probably end up being a TV main event in about three weeks. Hopefully not. It's all the people ragging on TNA for doing the title change on Impact and not Slammiversary last Sunday. I have to defend TNA on this because people, it's its very easy to bash TNA. I know I'm one to talk because I've had a lot of stuff to say about them recently. But when I say it, it comes from the perspective of why are they doing this? This is stupid. They should know better. Or why are they doing this when they should be doing this? Or what the hell is wrong with these people? I, I try to make sure that when I say something, it's, either constructive or if it isn't constructive and i'm just insulting them i probably have a pretty good reason for doing so i don't just jump on the bash tna bandwagon it's a lot it's very easy to do i see it online i see it on facebook there are a lot of people who will say things about tna and even make me shake my head like just shut up there's a lot of stupid shit that people say and one thing that i think people jumped on and i did not and i think it's stupid oh my god they 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 Put the title on Lashley on Thursday, and they had a pay-per-view last Sunday. LOL, TNA. And that's true. You know, when you have a pay-per-view, you want to save your big things normally for those shows, but TNA is different. TNA is different because you know how many people probably saw that pay-per-view last Sunday, and that's their fault. They could have done a great job of promoting that show. Okay? They have four pay-per-views a year now. They have four shows to promote. You would think those four shows would be built up like the biggest thing in the world. That is their fault. They need to do a better job of promoting these pay-per-views if if they insist on still having them. I agree, but they didn't. A lot of these matches came together at the last minute. The main event got fucked up because MVP got hurt, which was out of their hands. And I looked at that card. I mean, there were some potentially good matches, but I didn't look at that card and think, wow, what a stacked card. I looked at that and said, eh, 10,000 buys. 10,000 people, if they're lucky, probably bought that show. They have to live and die by these TV ratings now because Spike still hasn't renewed them, even though I'm pretty sure they will. But without Spike, they're dead. We've seen plenty of title changes on Raw the night after pay-per-views in the past. People seem to forget about that. I mean, not so much these days. It's actually pretty rare when we see a world title change on on one of the free shows in WWE. But, you know, Sid beat Bret Hart for the title the night after an in-your-house pay-per-view once on Raw. Steve Austin won a couple of world titles on Raw the night after some King of the Ring shows. So of all the things to rag on TNA for, that's not one of them. I know why they did it. I have no problem with them doing it that way. Slammiversary apparently was a really good show. This was a good show. They finally built up some momentum. Of all the things to bash them for, I don't see that as being one of them. But there were cons on this show. There were pros and there were cons. And one of those cons was way too many talking segments centered around MVP. Oh, my God. Enough with the talking. It's a two-hour show. He can make his point in two segments, max. I, liked, I did like how unhinged he seemed on this show. He was a great prick heel MVP. This may have been his best heel performance since he came to TNA. He was screaming. He was shouting. He was bullying the timekeeper. He fired Earl Hebner. You know, just generally, he was a dick. He even stumbled over his words in the opening promo. He had to to compose himself. I didn't think, oh, botch. I thought, man, this guy's going to give himself a heart attack if he doesn't calm down. So I thought his performance was fine. They just go way, way overboard with the talking. For a promotion called Total Nonstop Action, you can't be doing that. That was always a knock on WWE and the McMahons. Too much talking. If TNA does the same thing, then why should I watch? Give me something different, and I'll watch. Give me the same exact thing, only in front of a much smaller crowd, and I've already got three hours of that shit on Mondays. That's why, you know, to go back to the ring stuff, I can appreciate them trying something different. I just think there's other ways you could be doing that. Changing the number of sides to your ring isn't going to change anything. The other thing that was glaring to me on this show was the lack of roster depth. We had Eric Young wrestling twice. We had the Wolves wrestling twice. You throw in seven MVP talking segments, and after a while, it's like, am I watching this show on Rewind? What's going on here? But that's what happens when you cut so many guys. And I know this was all part of the storyline with MVP. He was sticking it to the babyfaces by putting them in multiple matches. But a lot of that has to do with the fact that they, they have gotten rid of so many guys, or guys have left. Besides Matt Hardy, you know, it sounds like there could be some other familiar faces returning to TNA during those New York City tapings like Low Key, okay, or or Sen Shi, whatever they end up calling him. I hope so because they need more bodies, and that was very apparent watching this show.
0: Okay, uh, obviously this was pre-recorded before the uh, uh uh New York shows, but uh
5: JJ uh what is what did you think in some of the points that he made? Well, I mean, he mentioned with Eric Young and the lowest ratings with MVP. And it's hard to say. First of all, TNA's ratings are not like WWE's. You know, their ratings are lucky if they get even a million viewers. Most of the last few weeks it has been under that. And if people are tuning out, you know, I can't really blame Eric Young. Like I said, me, Donald, were fans of EY. I liked his run. As the world champion, I thought he was a little more serious, considering in the past he's been more wacky and silly and zany and goofy. He was a more serious champion, and I appreciated that. But, uh, you know, it's a shame when people are tuning out and, you know, what do you do? Uh, You know, there's been some, you know, you can blame the crowd. You can blame, you know, what they're doing with uh, so many talking segments. They kick off the show with, you know, 30 minutes of talking. They have nearly 30 minutes of talking backstage and all these different, you know, locker room uh, backstage moments and stuff. And we just want to see wrestling, and we're not seeing enough wrestling. And there are times where I do tune out of TNA. I mean, WWE can afford to do something stupid because they have so many other shows during the week. You can watch a main event. You can watch SmackDown. You can watch Superstars. You can watch, you know, all these other shows or they can make it up and do something different, or put may, maybe a better match together. They can afford to do stupid things. However, TNA, if they do something stupid, they could lose a viewer, and that's not good. You want them to keep tuning in each week. You mentioned will six sides, you know, save the company. I don't think six sides, you know, the six sided ring is going to save the company. But at the same token, bringing it back should encourage viewers who used to watch TNA or maybe have never seen a six-sided ring, to tune in to those New York shows to see something they haven't seen before, to see something that they've been demanding to see come back to TNA. So I do hope that those New York shows have higher ratings, and, you know, I think maybe the six sides could play into that. It could be the returns of Matt Hardy, of Rhino, of Tommy Dreamer, and, you know, some of those W guys who came in just for those tapings, as well as some other TNA originals who might be returning for those tapings. So a lot of factors are going to play into it. And I think, uh, you know, there's already the spoilers online. There's a, you know, the smart fans know what to expect. And I think, I hope, they tune in to watch it. You know, with uh, the situation with MVP, I'm sort of glad they didn't put the title on Lashley at Slammiversary. I like the fact that EY sort of had his moment at the pay-per-view where he, you know, was the champion. You know, MVP, in my mind, probably should have won the title at Slammiversary, but since he was injured, I'm glad they didn't just automatically just put it on Lashley. I'm glad EY was able to end the show as the champion. He had his moment, which I thought was well-deserved. And then they took the title off him at Impact, which, again, if you look at the WWE, Dolph Ziggler cashing in Money in the Bank on Raw. The Miz cashing in Money in the Bank on Raw. CM Punk cashing in Money in the Bank on Raw. You know, there's a history of these guys, you know, winning world titles on the TV shows, and it's one of the most buzzed about, talked about moments on the show. And I don't know if, you know, TNA got, you know, equally that response, but at the same point, you know, you want to create that moment where anything can happen. That's why you've got to watch Impact because you don't know maybe there will be a title match because they don't have a pay-per-view every month. They only have a pay-per-view four times a month, so there could be a potential title change. That's why you have to watch Impact. So I'm hoping these New York shows kind of change things for TNA and a you and know, the New York crowd I'm sure will be awesome. The guys will be you know, working their tails off to give you the best you know, matches possible. I do hope they cut back on some of those backstage segments, on some of the talking. and put more of an emphasis on wrestling.
0: Uh, Dominic, what's your take?
4: All right. See, to me, when TNA does something stupid, it's not on TV all that long. Like when the Menagerie comes out. I freaking hate that. But they're not out there that long. When Adam Rose comes out with his his jerk-offs and his stupidity, that, like, takes forever. Like, this week we had Bo Dallas on his knee with a moment of silence. That took way too long. The promos take way too long in WWE. TNA, if, if they're doing something with MVP, all right, maybe he's in every segment. But look at WWE. There's been times that Triple H has been in every goddamn segment. So, you know, if you want to look at similarities, you could say similar is um, EY and Daniel Bryan. Why? Because they both got beards. They're not the face of the company. They don't look like championship material. But Eric Young has been there since day one. And rather than compare him to Daniel Bryan... You can compare him to Kane because EY has been Team Canada. He was serious. He shaved his head in the ring. He jokes around uh, with with ODB. He talks about his fishing show. Then he would take his pants off during the wrestling match and wrestle in his underwear. (laughs) Now he's back to being serious again. So He's gone through all the different steps like Kane has. Kane has yeah. been there forever, and EY has been there forever, and I think the spot of him being a heavyweight champion was long overdue.
1: Yeah.
0: Absolutely. And uh, this Thursday they will show the first set of tapings. Um Basically all month you're gonna see, I guess, from New York, or at least most of the month of July.
4: Uh, yeah, you will. You, you get, will. All the betting in yeah. Pennsylvania is done.
0: Yeah. Oh, uh, that's good because the crowd and the building. I might add, the building felt like it was a hundred and fucking twenty degrees. I uh, <laughs> felt like I was sitting in the old ECW arena. Uh, uh But. Uh, I tell you, it was so hot that I mean, it, you 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 could have little, you could have started some hot dogs there and cooked. Oh, it was yeah. so hot. No, no fucking air conditioning and nothing. Yep. Oh. Uh, but uh, but I take rest. and uh, they took they took about ten people backstage, mostly kids. I gotta commend them on that, because you know when would you ever see the WWE do something like that? You they had uh, right. They had these uh, people that were in wheelchairs uh, sit right in the front, and they got to go backstage. And, I mean, this is stuff that WWE never does. Nope. I know they do that, that charity, the My Wish, uh, I Wish, but you know, basically, it's only John Cena who's doing it. A lot of guys don't want to do it.
4: See, TNA makes, and, uh, makes the wrestlers come out and greet the fans. They sign autographs during intermission. WWE never does
0: that. Oh, and JJ, did you tell me something about, what was it, last week I heard something about Connor.
5: WWE is, uh, what are they doing, something special with him? Yes. Yeah, the McMahon, they started a charity in the name of Connor, the Crusher. They call it Connor's Cure. It is something that uh, is an association with the Children's Hospital in Pittsburgh. It affects uh, anyone, any children who have uh, the same disease of the brain and spinal cord uh, cancer that he had. And it is, you know, any money that they make will go towards the medical care of uh, other children and uh, their families who are dealing with that same disease. It's all in honor of Connor.
4: Yeah, I remember reading oh, that, absolutely. Connor crush Crusher. John Cena went to go see him.
5: Daniel Bryan went to see him. No.
4: Oh, Daniel
5: Bryan, yeah. Yes,
0: and Daniel Bryan went right after, right to him when he won the uh, titles. That's right. Yep, yep. And every time I put on that video, I swear I shed a tear.
2: That yeah. is so yeah. hard
0: to watch. Yeah. You know, you're not human if you're not feeling yeah, really. at least the somewhat emotional. You got no heart. Yep. Um but uh so uh this is uh this is it and uh we have uh when's the next pay per view, JJ? Well the next one w- I mean not w- counting w- the TNA.
5: Well TNA won't, TNA have, won't
0: a, have another
1: view.
5: Until the winter, before. right? And that after the fall, okay.
0: Right. Okay, so the next one is what? What's the name of the next WWE pay per view? Next WWE pay per view is
5: Battleground, and it should be July, I believe, what twentieth. This said three weeks. Oh, three weeks this is, this is the twentieth.
4: So it three two weeks months
5: they're a pay per view.
0: I mean, one month to are having two pay per views.
4: Yeah.
5: Well, I, know I it's don't like I don't know if they're uh, what the next pay per view is besides Battle Round in July. So
0: let me get this straight. If you're, if you don't have the network per se, and a lot of people don't, and uh, you're 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 a kid home for the summer that loves wrestling, basically you got to spend what is it fifty now for the pay per views Dominic. Uh, yeah. So you got to spend fifty in June, a hundred in July. I'm sure SummerSlam sixty. That's a hundred sixty just to September, just to August. Not even counting September.
4: Oh my God. Yeah. It's a lot of money and a lot of nerve. Yeah, Jim right. It's a lot of money.
0: <laughs> yeah. But uh, I want to wish you guys an early uh, Happy Fourth of July. Um, take a look at the hot dog eating contest because USA is out of the uh, soccer tournament. If any of you guys are following it,
4: yeah,
0: I want to say they were still
4: in. They lost today. Oh, so
0: they're for Christ's sake! I saw it on the news
4: earlier. They would. I thought they would win. I thought they were going to win that one.
0: And the Yankees lost 2-1. to one
4: I, just, I, just a little I just finished watching the game.
0: Yeah, maybe, maybe they'll turn it around when uh, CeCe comes back. But and so this, year the Rangers lost
4: to, this year the Rangers lost, too. Well,
0: J.J.'s team, uh, Chicago, really should have played the Rangers, right, J.J.?
5: Uh, I would have loved to see the Blackhawks and the Rangers. I thought that would have been a real great series.
4: It would have been,
5: yeah, it would have been, because Chicago was
0: one of the original uh, NHL teams, as the, the Rangers, and that would have got a much higher rating than the LA Kings. Yep.
5: Yeah, it's a shame. I mean, the Hawks were doing great uh, in their season, but the postseason, the LA Kings were just on fire. I mean, they just really. What took they it. did? They, get, they were down three-one,
0: and they came and they got it to a seventh game or something like that.
5: Yeah, the Blackhawks, man, God bless them. They forced a game seven. I mean they should have been done by game, you know, four or five, but they forced a game seven, but it just uh they were out of gas, you know.
0: And the crowd over there they love their Blackhawks. Or their Hawks rather, uh they love the Chicago yeah. NHL team there.
5: The that Hawks is are a
0: very good, good
5: popular in Chicago two championships we've got two stanley cup championships in the last five years so i mean chicago has definitely become a, a hockey city yep
0: well i'm asking you guys not to steal carmelo
5: anthony from us i know he's
0: visiting you uh for the new york next, but uh just please don't take him <laughs> but uh fans definitely check out the uh hot dog eating contest for I'm, you know, they're gonna be free if you if anybody listening to the trade they you want I don't know if you like the uh, the hot dogs. Dominic, what do you, 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 you like? The Nathan's hot dogs? I
4: love tacos. I love hot dogs. I don't care. Just put it in front <laughs> of me and I'll eat it.
0: <laughs> there you go. There you go. And you can call Dominic, of course, at 212 69 this was a great show. We will do it next week at the same time. And, again, uh, a happy fourth to everybody and especially uh, to my two co-hosts tonight. Thank you hey, guys you so guys, much. all the everybody. best for
4: the fourth of July.
0: Happy Independence Day, guys.
4: All the best. Uh,
0: absolutely. So, uh, we will absolutely see you on what is the date of Tuesday? The 8th. Eight- is that date? 8 or 98. Okay. Take care, folks. Let's leave you
1: with happy. What? What?